Blog Talk Radio. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the half happiest season of all. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the Parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. And good afternoon, everybody. I'm Rich Yelvin here live on Southern Sports Central, the 21st day of December. Only a few days away from the big day, Christmas. You know it had to be getting close when I let it play that far along into that theme of uh, the most uh, wonderful day of the year. And, of course, uh, it was just that yesterday. If you were in Columbia, South Carolina, hanging out with us over there at Ben Lippin between Southern Sports Central and the South Carolina High School Blitz as we were blitzing the middle part of the state of South Carolina, Columbia, where we took it over from Friday to Sunday. Normally, the Falcons are hanging out on the campus of Ben Lippin, but oh, no, not yesterday, not Friday and Saturday. It was all the Elite 88 juniors, the class of 22 there in that junior bowl that took place just yesterday. And then win for the West, 14-7. Got to give love to the Upstate as they continue to do what they do. And uh, I got to tell you, we're going to talk a little bit about that with um, their winning coach. That is Coach Wilcock. He'll join us at 8 o'clock, 7.30. Coach Smitty, they drove down and handled business and struck first after an interception. But they did that within the first two minutes of the ball game, and that was all she wrote. Because then they picked six the other way, of course, Ended up being the conversation that tied it up. And uh, then, oh boy, was it not a game to remember. A classic one indeed as the West team. And uh, (laughs) it it was every bit you thought it would be as the weather was perfect. No, it wasn't sun shining. It wasn't hot. It was cloudy, overcast, and a little bit of drizzle that had fallen out of the sky earlier that day. Actually, it rained pretty hard the night before. But all of a sudden, the good Lord above said, I'm not going to give you clear skies, but I'll let the rain take a minute away. As that is exactly what happened as, of course, uh, you know, we were able to get that game in. And it was a good one. It really was. And I want to thank uh, the Ben Lipping Athletic Department, the, uh, the faculty, the staff, everybody in the community that uh, did a really good job of hosting the, uh, the first ever uh, Junior Bowl Showcase brought to you by uh, the South Carolina High School Blitz and Southern Sports Central. I also want to thank the guys over at Shut who uh, produced the helmets for us and uh, helped us out along the way with the event that Ken and I 
sat down in December of 2019. That's right, a year ago. Shook hands in the, uh, on the field over at Williams-Brice Stadium on the weekend of the high school state championship game and said, hey, I got an idea. He said, I got an idea. We brought them together. And the number's two, always better than one. And here we are now. Check that box. We've gotten the first one out of the way and done in the books. And number two, right after it. That's going to happen on January the 2nd, the Senior Bowl. Oh, the big boys, the seniors, the class of 21, getting ready to get it done on a beautiful Saturday at 1 o'clock. It's going to be at Woodland High School. Coach Cyber is uh, the athletic director there, the head coach of the East. That's the lower part of the state of South Carolina. He's also the head coach over there at Woodland, Coach Ford. He and I and Coach Cyber actually had conversations today as we're preparing for uh, our arrival. Of course, I live down in this area, so these guys are coming to my backyard here this time, and it's going to be a blast. But before we get into the second, we got to talk about yesterday. I want to also thank uh, the guys and girls over at Comfort Suites. They, uh, they put up 88 guys, a bunch of coaches, uh, a bunch of us that were part of that committee that put that together. Some parents, I believe, were in and about the area, as well as, you know, some other production guys, Jay Bryant. Productions. That's Josiah and his team who joined us from the Low Country to represent and get some good film. Now that I'm sure will be released here at some point uh, throughout the the week, if you will. It is again Christmas coming up on Friday, so we're about four days away. I'm not sure how much they'll get to you, but when it comes out, man, it's like a, a big premiere movie on the big screen because uh, Josiah and uh, his guys and girls do an incredible job of really putting together some of the best highlights with the best beats behind it. And I can't wait to see what he and his team puts together. It was, though. It was a great event yesterday. It it, it started, like we mentioned, on Friday afternoon when we all kind of rode up from wherever we were. And you could see the excitement because throughout the weeks, we had had a, a, a chat room for just the East and a chat room for just the West. And you could just see the guys starting to talk it up, starting to have those conversations about, you know, hey, we get there, this is what we're going to do. Now, I don't know who won the Madden Bowl because, you know, like I know, these cats are bringing PS5s and and all the other electronics and they're playing their games. But, you know, they behaved extremely well. You know, 88 guys, 44 on the left side, 44 on the right side, how you ever want to put it together. But they behaved themselves incredibly. I mean, their families ought to be proud of each and every one of them, their schools, their towns. And that's what I told them. I jumped on the bus with the East, and I jumped on the bus with the West on Saturday morning. And I looked at each one of these young men, and I said, look, there's a couple of things of house cleaning we need to remember, as you guys have got one night under your, um, under your belt here in this event. But you got to remember that you're representing not only yourself, your school, your, of course, your principals, your athletic directors, your families. You're representing us. You're representing people you've never met before. And you got to remember that. So when you move, make sure you move. And, and, of course, you move in the right direction. Now, I also pushed out to these young men and said, look, you're out here to do what? Play a game? Yeah, I get it. But you're also here to get an experience. You're out here to get, to get out here and introduce yourself to guys that you've never met before. Maybe if you're in the lower state, you read about them in the upper state. If you're in the upper state, you heard about them in the lower state. Thanks to social media, that's kind of how it works. Get to know different guys throughout the day. I, you know, I, and I took a lot of things off of Remember the Titans, my favorite movie of all times in sports. And you know, remember Coach Boom talked about that. He said, you know, I want you to know something about somebody that you didn't know before you got here. 
And I challenged them that way all day long. And I would go up to them and ask them, hey, what do you know about this guy? Who did you hang out with today? And, and tell me something new about this guy. And it was, it was amazing because they were doing it with ease. They didn't even put any pushback. And it was a lot of fun. It was, of course, you're going to see a lot of the guys on the front line, the offensive line. They gelled well together. They, of course, went it joking around with the guys on the other side on the front line. And, of course, it was, it was a very family-friendly environment from the time these young kids came into this uh, hotel. But uh, there were so many uh, individuals around the area that, that just, uh, you know, spoke highly about the men, how they carried themselves on and off the bus. I want to thank the bus drivers that, uh, of course, from Ben Lippin, that, that did what they had to do to get us to where we had to go and, and just handle things. Ms. B, you know, with the uh, high school blitz, the first lady of the high school blitz in Southern Sports Central, you hear her here on Thursdays, you know, she was running around, like a lot of us, Ken, of course, doing his thing. I was doing my thing. Eugene, you know, you saw us a lot in the lobbies and around the areas as we were pretty mobile throughout the week over practice on Saturday a couple of different times. And then, of course, Coach B, he comes in and does his thing. So it's a it is an operation. That's my first uh, bowl game that I've been a part of and, and had a chance to do a lot of things behind the scenes. And then, of course, it was the game. <laughs> that actually happened on Sunday, like I mentioned. And, of course, our guy that you can hear him tomorrow night, Everett Sands, who is on the West Foundation Sports Show on Tuesday nights right here on Southern Sports Central, he came in and did the call with me. You know, I called it the play-by-play. He was my color guy. And, of course, down on the field was uh, Eugene. And uh, a great job uh, all the way around. And we were really excited. You know, we're always going to get better than we were yesterday. So we'll learn what we did on Sunday. We'll take it with us a couple of weeks from now on a Saturday, and we'll look to improve every single day that we do this. Again, that's, that's kind of the storyline here. So, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that today around uh, hour number two. Like I mentioned, coming in at 7 o'clock, Coach Smitty, he'll join us, head coach of the East. His group, by the way, his coaches, I thought, did a really great job. You know, these guys got a chance to coach up a lot of really five-star guys, you know, uh, on and off the field. And, uh, again, just uh, we'll hear about that from Coach Smitty. And then, of course, uh, Coach Wilcox, you know, he'll, he'll join us at 730. And uh, that's going to be a good conversation from him. Of course, they did take home the trophy, the first one, uh, as uh, this is our first annual Junior Bowl Elite 88 showcase uh, between the upstate versus the lower state but uh, he also had some great guys coaching with him so i mean you know they they brought their own testimonies they brought their own trials and tribulations they have their own ways of how they got to where they got you know and so of course uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of conversations with the two coaches there and uh, reginald walker jr had to move him up to 6 30 because of the fact that i've got these other two coaches coming in in hour number two so it's high school in hour number two college in hour number one at 6 30 Reginald will come in here, and he and I will, will have conversations uh, about what's happening around the college front. As you guys know, yesterday uh, it did get released. Of course, you got Alabama, Notre Dame. Do you agree? Do you not agree? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're going to give you my thoughts on it here uh, when Reggie joins us here at 630, but that's what it is. It's Alabama, Notre Dame, money game, if you ask me. On the other end, it's, oh, are we not tired of this one? Clemson and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, I get it, Buckeye fans. You're saying to me, well, we did what we needed to do. We got where we need to get, and here we are. But I don't I don't know. It, it's hard. I, I, it's hard to say that Notre Dame doesn't deserve to be in there after they were number two and they got beat, you know, by uh, a, a number three Clemson Tiger fan or t- the Clemson Tiger group. So they, of course, um, moved back just a couple of spots. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's hard to knock them out. Ohio State, because of where they were positioned, and they changed their rules 
you know, going towards the end of the season because if they didn't, they wouldn't have even gotten in this thing because of the word that we don't use on this air. But, of course, them seeing Clemson, well, once again, I mean, again, if you're the Ohio State Buckeyes, I, I know you're stoked about being in this playoffs, but you're stoked about the number that you picked because the only number that I think you would have been happy with is Notre Dame because I don't see, and I could be wrong, but I think Alabama's the team to beat out of this one. And, again, the wide receiver, very good there up for Ohio, and they've got ball players all around the field. Uh, Nick Saban putting up a ton of points in offense, giving up a little bit more than I think he's used to on the defense. But, uh, again, you know, Alabama is, is a favorite in a lot of this, I would believe. Now, Clemson, on the other hand, you know about that quarterback. You know about that running back. You know they got wide receivers. They just got dogs and dudes all over the place, or in their case, Tigers, all over the field and on the sideline and everywhere else in the world. But, you know, the team that didn't get in is a couple of teams. Number one, Texas A&M didn't get in. One lost Texas A&M. Mind you, the only loss they have was in the week one against who? Alabama. And they did get handled pretty well. But Alabama's handling everybody pretty well. It also was in a very weird season. That first week is kind of a, I would think, kind of a mulligan game for a lot of people, but not for Texas A&M. We'll talk about that with, uh, of course, uh, Reginald Walker Jr. and how he feels about it. The other team I thought that kind of got slighted a good bit was uh, Coastal. I mean, you get to go to a bowl game. You get to go, and I think it's in Orlando, and you're going to get to play a team that you, well, you thought you were going to play at the end of the year anyways, which was Liberty right before they ended up having to, uh, you know, switch it up a little bit, and play BYU, which they, hey, I mean, they, they took care of that team too. But, you know, and it's it's the matchup that they thought they were going to see, you know, at the end of the year, the regular season at least. But you're penalizing a team because of the COVID as well. So, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you're, you're able to benefit if you're Ohio State and, and, and be knocked in the kneecaps if you're the uh, Coastal Carolina Sean Clears. Now, the other end of that, you got Cincinnati. Now, what about Cincinnati? Shouldn't you put Cincinnati against Coastal in a BCS or in one of those New Year's Day bowl games? They're both undefeated. To me, it's a better matchup because I believe Cincinnati is going to be playing Georgia, and I'll have to look back at some of the notes here, but we'll get into that with Reggie at 6.30 here in a little while. And of course, 8 o'clock is championship segment of the night. Not that, of course, uh, Coach Wilcox is not a championship coach after winning that big game yesterday, but how about the game – that was played on Friday night, and I got to tell you something. These guys in Abbeville, they call it the Big A for a reason, and I don't think it's a mistake. They're not too far down the road from the promised land, and again, that is exactly what that area is called on the map, but these guys go 11-0, 5-0 in the Region 2A, Region 1. They win 37-6. to They scored 19 points, 19 points in less than three minutes in the game. So if you go ahead and do the math, they scored 512 points all year long. They only gave up 44. That's averaging 47 points a game. Pretty impressive. I'd like to see what they could do against the four and fives. I think they might compete for sure. But I got to tell you something, in that two-way, they're just legit. And, of course, uh, their head coach will join us at 8 o'clock, Coach Jamie Nichols. He is Abbeville's head football coach. He joins us here. And if my numbers are right by our statistician, uh, it's 172-39-1. I believe they've got um, – he's been there. He's, he's got 15 years. He's got seven state championships uh, overall. Uh, there's 11, I believe, with uh, Abbeville, and they've won the last five out of six. So the stats there are the stats there. And, again, that's an impressive number. I don't care who you are, where you are. That's why they call Abbeville the Big A. So if you want to chime in, uh, in the next segment. It's going to be a short one. We'll go to a break right now. 
you can come on in, hang out with us until 630, and that's when Reginald Walker Jr., former football player in the Power of Five, he played for Joe Five over there at Penn State, grew up in the state of uh, Tennessee, by the way, but uh, he did play his uh, college football over in, uh, in Nittany Lion land up there, and uh, we'll talk to him at 630. So if you want to join us now, you can do that by calling in 323-784-9681. That's the number to call in. Talk about Abbeville. Talk about if you played, if you're listening and you're one of the players that played yesterday, you want to come on in, hang out with us. If you're anybody else, got anything else you want to talk about, now is the time. Lines are open until 627, guys. Quick break, come back, and we'll talk some football right out of this, guys. You're listening to Southern Sports Central on a beautiful Monday night, just a few days away from that big holiday we call Christmas on Friday morning, ladies and gentlemen. The big man's on the way. Old tight.
everybody, and welcome back. I'm Rich Yelvin here live on Southern Sports Central. Good stuff here tonight happening as, uh, again, we'll have at 6.30. Reginald Walker Jr. has been moved up 30 minutes, so we can get 30 minutes of good college football conversation with him. The college football playoff committee has chosen their top four. I don't agree with it, but I don't have a choice, nor do I have a vote, nor do I have a say-so. I've just got to kind of go with the punches. As uh, It is a uh, Alabama-Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Clemson. In, outside looking in, Texas A&M, with a one loss, you agree, you disagree, your thoughts, call in, let me know. What do you think? Do they deserve to be in? What about Coastal? What about Cincinnati? I know a lot of people talk in Florida. I don't know. It's just, I get it, somewhat, I guess. But this is the time that I felt the most that they had a chance to come in here and have a 8 or 10. I like to say 10. I think even with ESPN having a not top 10, and I say this all the time on the show, even a not top 10 is a thing on ESPN. So a top 10 is definitely a thing. And this was a thing that they could have done this year. And doing it this year, they would have said, hey, look, here's what we do. Here's the concern, though. Here's why they didn't. Because when it works, and I say when, when it works, they got to stick with it. They got to do it all the time. Because they say, hey, well, we did it that year. Why not keep it? Why not put it in play? That's just a conversation I'm curious about. You know, some say eight. Uh, I think 10 is a better number. Some would say even 16. But they won't do it. They didn't do it because they don't want the mid-majors. They don't want some of the smaller schools, quote, unquote, because you got to remember, you know, Central Florida not long ago, UCF uh, was uh, destined for this conversation. And they, by the way, are the largest university in the country. But they just don't play in one of the larger conferences in the country. And while you look at basketball and the NCAA and what they do day in and day out, they get it. They said, well, if we do it this way, this is what's going to happen. And guess what? Maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. But you never know until you do what you got to do. And that's kind of the things that I think about. You know, I, I think about all the ins and outs and, and, and what do you see? What do you get? To me, it, 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 you feel bad for Coastal because you got Ohio State sitting in there. And Ohio State is in but with like half half a win of, of a lot of others or at least a lot less they adjusted the rule for ohio state because of covid but they penalized coastal carolina because of covid where's the fair in that game just asking the question the other question i got is what about cincy why not cincinnati why can't you get those guys in there wouldn't they be a good fit to play against coastal put them in a big bowl game I'm just asking the questions. Don't know the answers because it's just that simple. It's a simple answer. You just got to be able to take a chance. But you don't take a chance when you say, well, we do it because of this, that, and the other. But if there's ever a chance, if you ever, you know, chasing the bag was a thing, that's what you saw this year in college football. Because to me, this is exactly why they're doing it. Because it sounds a lot more attractive to have Alabama in Notre Dame than it would be Alabama and the Coastal Carolina Shauna Clears. Who would watch it? I bet you a lot more than you think. I bet you a lot more than you think. Or what about Clemson and Cincinnati? Or what about Clemson and, and, and Coastal? You know, everybody said, well, that would be a blowout. Would it? Do we know that to be true? Because a lot of people thought Coastal was going to lose that last game that they played before the season got kind of derailed when you-know-who came to town and took the place of Liberty. And, oh, that's cute, by the way college football to put them in a bowl game against liberty really come on that's almost sarcasm at its best 
And I know sarcasm. I've got a degree in it. It's pretty interesting that you would put them against a team that they should have played, could have played, would have played had this whole thing didn't take place. But they benefited from it because they got to play a team across the country and beat them on a national stage and break records with viewership on college game day on campus. But they're not good enough to get a a bowl that's – it's a conversation that needs to be had, and I don't understand why it's even not being had, but i got to tell you, it's crazy. It's crazy. With all ins and outs, it to me makes no sense. And why you wouldn't even take a chance at it. Again, your thoughts, your opinions. Call in right now. 323-784-9681. Who would you put in your top? Who would land in your top four? A lot of people are going to tell you. You know you got to put Clemson in. You know you got to put Alabama in. That's a guarantee. Boom, they're in. But does... Notre Dame deserved to be in. And it's hard to knock Notre Dame from number two all the way to number five, six, seven, or eight. It really is. You know, they actually beat Clemson the first round. Okay, Clemson, I get it. They beat you when you were down. They still beat you. That's not their problem that you guys had half your team out or whatever it was that was out. That You play the guys that are on the field. That's why when you guys came back, you had your better guys ready to rock and roll. Your leadership was out there, and you led yourself to a mega win, did what you needed to do, to get yourself into the top two. Oh, and here comes Ohio State. I mean, it's almost, it's almost predictably funny. That's just my thoughts on that. Because you already know you're going to get number one, you're going to get number two, you're going to get number three. And either way you spin it, you know Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State are always going to be the top three. The question is, who's number four? Is it Oklahoma? Is it Notre Dame? Is it Florida? Who is it? Who usually gets in there? Is it Georgia? Yeah, Georgia. Usually you're in there. Ooh, Georgia. I believe, and I'll look it up here in between the break, because it's coming up in about three. We're going to take another small break, because I'll be bringing in the man himself, Reginald Walker Jr. We're talking college football for the first hour anyways. So we got high school football at 7 to 7.30 to even 8 o'clock, so an hour and a half of that will be in the middle of the sandwich. But the beginning of this thing is definitely going to be right where we're at right now, college football conversation. And who's in and who's out? Who deserves to be? Who doesn't deserve to be? Heisman Trophy conversation. We'll talk about that at 632, by the way. We'll, we'll throw that conversation to the Wolves and see, you know, what tastes the best. Do you give it to the wide receiver? Is it going to be a wide receiver for the first time since Desmond Howard? Desmond Howard, the last wide receiver to receive the Heisman. Oh, it's a quarterback award until – that happens, by the way. And is this the year? Is this the time and the place that it's now going to go away from that conversation? Just kind of curious. We'll wait. We'll see. We'll, we'll of course, uh, <laughs> find out. But you saw the committee. And I tell you again, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Outside looking in, Texas A&M and Oklahoma. Oklahoma did also, by the way, handle business over the weekend. Florida sitting there at number seven. I don't know if I agree with it. They got two losses. Do they get ahead of a Cincinnati team? Georgia at number nine. Where does that stand on your week here? Iowa State. Oh, we already know what happened to them. Indiana, way down at number 11. And how do you just put Coastal down at number 12? Mm. Mm -hmm. Maybe 
the conversation coming up next, guys. We're taking one more break. Coming back, we're heading to Charlotte, North Carolina. We're taking in in the Queen City with the one and only Reginald Walker Jr. Right after this, guys. Good day. Yeah. You know what? I like to play. No dickity, no doubt. Play on, play at. Play on, play at. Yo, Trey, drop the verse. It's going down, face of Black Street. The homies got at me, collab creations. Bump like agony, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, a dog couldn't catch me. Tell me who could stop with Dre making moves, attracting honeys like a magnet. Giving them orgasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies Black Street and Teddy, the original rough shaker. Shutting it down, good love. Baby got them open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around Cover much ground, got game by the town Getting paid is a forte Each and every day, true play away I can't get her out of my mind Wow. I think about the girl all the time wow, wow. East side to the west side Push the fat rise, it's no surprise She got tricks in the stash Stacking up the cash Fast when it comes to the gas By no means average to have it, baby, you're a perfect 10, I wanna get in, can I get down, so I can I like the way you work it, no diggity, I got to bag it up, bag it up, I like the way you work it, no diggity, if you smell, what the rock is cooking. Welcome back, everybody. Bringing them in in style on the 814. That's Charlotte, North Carolina. If you didn't know, now you know. And that is the legend, Reginald Walker Jr. What's going on, my man? What's up? How you doing? How you doing? Another good week on tap in in the world of football. Bowls have already started, my man. (laughs) That it has. And by the way, I didn't start this way because I wanted to save it till you got on the air. I don't know if you noticed or not, but Eugene is another day older. He woke up this morning, 43. I gave him the day off to spend with his kids and his mom and dad. And I said, man, look, we're a family show. and It's only right to give you the day to spend with the family. So it's just you and me and a few of our listeners as we're going to break down some college football. But Eugene, I know you're listening because you're just that kind of guy. Happy birthday, buddy. You let him off the hook. You know he's – come on. Eugene, Eugene, we know you're doing about as much work today as you normally do. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Happy birthday, my man. Enjoy it. And, uh, hey, have a good good rest of the week and, and enjoy the holidays, my man. No doubt. He'll be back with me on Wednesday. Of course, uh, we may drag you back up. No, I'm not sure where you'll be, but we'll see. If not, we'll definitely get our holiday uh, conversation out before we get you out of here in the next 30, man. But, you know, he called me today, and he, he called me. Actually, We actually talked yesterday. We're coming back from Columbia because we did that Junior Bowl showcase, the Elite 88, the best of the best in the Palmetto State, taking on the upstate versus the lower state. Man, I got to tell you something, Reggie. It was 
electrifying, to say the least. These are great kids in the hotel. They just really – they won before they even got in the field to me. And, of course, the game did take place yesterday. The West won, which is the upstate, took out the lower state, 14-7. We'll talk more about that also before I get you out of here, man. But, man, so much to get into. Uh, but uh, Eugene asked me, he said, man, do I got to work tomorrow? I was like, what are you, like 12, dude? Yeah, you got to work tomorrow, dude. You don't get a birthday off. And I said, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not that guy. I said, it's a nighttime show. You sure you got the night? You want some birthday cake, bro? You want some ice cream with that wine? I mean, what are you doing? But uh, now I gave him the night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Eugene worked hard. I, I worked that little guy, man. Let me tell you something. His little legs were, were rolling on that football field yesterday, and I had him all weekend long from – Fourth floor to the first floor to the bottom floor, man. He was he was all but a bell hopping one yesterday, man, and all throughout the weekend. But uh, man, talking about bell hopping, man, let's let's get right to it. Let's not talk who's been in the final four just yet, because I think that's too easy. I want to ask you the question: If you are you are the guy that's going to make a decision on who would be the final candidates heading into this uh, Heisman conversation, and let's just go ahead and tell you, Alabama's Devontae Smith right now. One of the guys I think a lot of people are leaning on, uh, Mac Jones, his quarterback, Alabama. Kyle Trask, Florida. Clemson, you know this guy's kind of doing his thing, sitting there. The quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And Alabama's Najee Harris, the running back, y'all, from Alabama. Three out of four from Alabama. Still four out of five from the SEC. And all of a sudden, you see Trevor Lawrence. No ETN, by the way. Your thoughts on this top five that I just gave you when they looked at some of the odds that are coming up on this selection. Yeah. I mean, I think it's spot on. I mean, I would argue the biggest argument I would make uh, is, you know, are we going to see someone that's not a quarterback finally win this award? I mean, it's been so long since we've seen a non quarterback pick up this award. And uh, with that being said, I think if you look at it, obviously Najee Harris and Devontae Smith are the prime candidates of those guys that are, you know, obviously non-quarterbacks to, to win the award. And I, I think, you know, if you, if you think about the, the absolute, you know, guy that's done so much and, and, and in so many different ways, you know, because the, the definition, definition of the award is most authentic player. Uh, and right. so to me, that, that also encompasses being able to do it, you know, essentially in additional ways. And you look at Devontae Smith, what he means to his team as a punt returner um, in the screen game, uh, in the in the passing game, he he he'll block for other guys as well. Uh, I think he's a guy that you have to certainly consider. Um, and for me, he's the leader in the clubhouse. But I tell you what, the guy for me that's right behind him is his quarterback, Mac Jones. I feel like Mac Jones has been about as consistently excellent as you can be throughout this season. I realize they had one game where he didn't throw a touchdown pass. When you got a guy like Najee Harris behind you, it's pretty easy for that to happen. So. You look at Mac Jones, I think, I think he's definitely one of those guys that's been uh, extremely consistent throughout the year, uh, hasn't turned the football over a whole lot, and, and really just engineered an offense that, you know, simply put, uh, has, you know, consistently uh, put up ridiculous numbers on a week-to-week basis. And he's, he's the engineer of that, and I think you cannot overlook that. But at the end of the day, uh, once Jalen Waddle got hurt, you had to also understand that all the coverage coverage was going to be rolled to Devontae Smith. Um, and so you look at Mac Jones' numbers, 32 touchdowns to just four interceptions, uh, 76% completion percentage. I mean, the guy's just been absolutely phenomenal all year long. Uh, but to get back to the Devontae Smith point, listen, this guy's got nearly 100 catches, 
uh, more than 15 yards per. Uh, and the number that jumps out at you is 17 touchdowns. I mean, this guy has been absolutely phenomenal in the passing game. And as I mentioned, when you're the main guy uh, that coverage is going to be rolled to in the passing game and you're still putting up numbers the way that he is, I think you have to look at him uh, and you have to give him more than serious consideration for the award. So to me, uh, I think it really comes down to Devontae Smith and Mac Jones. I think that I think the award is going to Tuscaloosa. It's just a matter of do we finally see someone that not a quarterback win the award. Hanging out right now with Reginald Walker Jr. Played his days for Joe Pye over there at Penn State. The Nittany Lions, Power 5 football at its best. Now part of the team at Southern Sports Central on multiple nights. But tonight it's Monday night, 630 segment here on the show. So, so what was it? Do you think that COVID knockdown – that, that put out Trevor Lawrence, is that kind of what kind of ruined his chances? Or you think he actually got outplayed by even even Jones, like you mentioned? I mean, he's kind of that guy because somebody's got to be throwing the rock to this receiver that we're giving all the hype to. Yeah, I think those are both factors. And, and, and the other thing is, look, I, you know, I hate to say it this way, but as good as Trevor Lawrence has been, it's a lot easier for Mac Jones to be as efficient as he was when he's throwing to Devontae Smith. And when he earlier in the season had a guy like Jalen Waddle, uh, if you look at Clemson's passing game, and, I, and I'm not saying I dislike uh, any of their weapons on that football team, but if you really truly look at what Trevor Lawrence has kind of had to work with, and you could take this both ways, right? In some ways you could say, well, that should elevate him more, right? Because he doesn't have a bunch of guys that are quote unquote, right? As dynamic as a guy like Devontae Smith. Um, but Amari Rogers, a good football player. Um, you know, and, and, but if you really look at this team, you know, EJ Williams uh, at the receiver position for Clemson, he came on later in the year. Cornell Powell kind of came on a little bit later in the year. So when you look at this team throughout the year, Galloway at tight end later in the year, when you look at this team throughout the year, earlier in the year, uh, it wasn't as easy. Uh, for those guys to get open and, and, and create uh, certain things for Trevor Lawrence to allow him to really be even more explosive in the passing game. Uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence gives you more in the running game than Mac Jones as well. Um, but I think you add to the fact that uh, the weapons around uh, Trevor Lawrence were not as explosive as a guy like Devontae Smith and a Jalen Waddle. Um, and you add to the fact, you're right, that Trevor Lawrence missed a couple of games due to the COVID you add all those things up, and that's why I think it's harder for him to win the award. As efficient as he's been, his numbers are great as well. Uh, I think his touchdown to interception ratio is something like five to one. Uh, he's almost seventy percent completions, uh, so he was excellent as well. I just think the difference is he didn't have as many guys that he that like Devonte Smith to where you could throw Devonte Smith a four-yard hitch route on your own seven-yard line, and next thing you know, it's going ninety-three yards to the house. So those are the types of things that I think are a little bit different uh, that separates Mac Jones. But then, of course, as I continue to say that, what does it come back to? It keeps falling back to a guy like Devontae Smith and his versatility and his explosiveness. I believe he has two punt returns for touchdown this year as well. Yeah, just imagine how good Alabama is. By the way, remember, there was another guy that could be in this conversation that went out early in the season. So I mean, we see Alabama putting up that offensive uh, beat down and around the league. But, man, imagine if they had that other receiver. I mean, you know, does he benefit out of that as well, not having that other guy 
that uh, this quarterback can throw to as well. I mean, there's a lot of different tangibles here, Reggie, when you look at it. But I like your selection and actually a bunch of the coaches I was with over on Saturday night. We were watching the Clemson game. You know, we uh, kind of said that. We said that, you know, we think we feel pretty good that, that it's going to be a wide receiver. And this is, by the way, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the last one is who? Desmond Howard to win the uh, Heisman Trophy as a receiver? I believe so. That's exactly right. Um, and I, I think, you know, the other thing that I think is interesting is one of the uh, – one guy that was a, you know, a, a Heisman winner that came from a quote-unquote different position um, Charles Woodson. And the thing I think that's interesting about the Charles Woodson uh, correlation to now, and even Desmond Howard, you go back to Desmond Howard, what was the moment? It was the kickoff return uh, for a touchdown, or no, I'm sorry, it was a punt return actually for a touchdown, I want to say uh, against uh, Ohio State, or maybe it was against Notre Dame, uh, where, he's, where Desmond Howard struck the post. And then you mm-hmm. move forward and you look at a situation where Charles Woodson runs a punt back against Ohio State, that's when he, we knew he was going to win the Heisman. And then if you move it forward to this year, I think the Devontae Smith punt return was the moment to where we could say, this guy's going to win the Heisman. Yeah, now you, you see what they do at Ecores Alabama right now. Also, in another conversation that we're going to talk about right now, it is the college football playoff. It was released uh, yesterday. It has Alabama – Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. What does that mean? That means we'll see Alabama taking on the Irish. Clemson, (laughs) insert the yawn, taking on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Your thoughts on the top four, and we're going to get into a lot more, but, uh, man, one and four, that's a money game, and two and three is, I guess they feel like they got to do it anyways, huh? Yeah, I mean, look, I I had said, and and here's the thing I will say to to anybody that when you look at, the way the college football playoff played itself out because there's been a big discussion on whether or not the committee quote unquote got it right. Here's what I will tell you. The committee got it right because they were consistently inconsistent in what they were doing. (laughs) And I know what you're saying is what does that mean? It's simple. And I, I, as you know, I look at everything the committee does and I watch a lot of the movements and there were two things in last week's rankings last Tuesday that told me everything I needed to know. Actually, three, if you really, if you want to look at three different teams in terms of where they were ranked. Uh, the first one was, if you look at the math, simply put, the way that Cincinnati dropped down for not playing, okay, that was one indicator. But the Buckeyes never dropped a spot for not playing. Message. Mm-hmm. They didn't feel like Texas A&M was better than Ohio State. And they were not going to feel that way after Ohio State won a Big Ten championship because they say being a conference champion matters in the criteria. So that was very simple to figure out that A&M was not a threat to Ohio State. Now, the next thing I noticed was they moved Iowa State up to six and Oklahoma up to ten. The threat there was Iowa State had they become a Big Big 12 champion and defeated another top 10 team in Oklahoma, they were a threat to Ohio State, especially if Ohio State had lost the Big Ten championship game. If Ohio State had won the Big Ten championship game, which they did, then Iowa State would have proved to be an existential threat to who? 
Notre Dame because, again, mm-hmm. they're not a conference champion. Notre Dame has, to this day, and you can say without Trevor Lawrence and all those players you want, Notre Dame has a win over the team that is the number two team in the country. There is not a better win based on, and again, this is not based on what we think. This is based on the committee's rankings. The committee is looking at Notre Dame and saying they have a win, regardless of the circumstances, over the team that we have as number two in the country. There's no way you can get around that. So Notre Dame has the best win, and then they were trying to create the movement with the Big 12 by putting both of those teams in the top 10, meaning Iowa State, had they won, they proved to be an existential threat to Notre Dame. They were going to leapfrog Texas A&M regardless if they had won the Big 12. That was just the reality. And then the next thing you could see was with Florida only dropping that one spot, After losing to LSU, the idea was if Florida wins the SEC, they they would have the best win in the country over the team that was number one at the time, which would probably have vaulted them, if not into the playoff, they would have definitely finished at number five without question. On the flip side of that, if Bama lost to the team that was still sitting at number six or seven, whatever it was, that would have kept them in the playoff. If Florida's down there at number 10 and they beat number one Alabama, everyone's going, how can you keep Alabama in the playoff? So all of this was set up to protect what they had thought were the four teams that they thought were the best all year anyway. They, they mapped this thing out on the backside to protect what they believe and then create some movement based on teams that they had fallen in love with in Iowa State. Uh, and and Oklahoma in terms of those teams out of the Big 12. Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina, I could see right away they had no shot of making the playoff. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's a good segue. There's a couple of high points I'm going to hit with you as we're live right now. Reginald Walker hanging out with us over here in the 814. That means we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, right here at that 630 segment on Southern Sports Central. Uh, You you know, Reggie, I, I look at it like this, and I don't understand this is a very different season. That I do understand. However, when I looked at the pairings, and then you see a team ranked number five, which is the Texas A&M Aggies, who lost in week one. Now, that is with all the different weirdest things, and you gave them the hardest team in the country to play coming in. We, we see that. They felt that, and they were held accountable for that. Then on the other side, they're going to see in a bowl game. Now, they're number five. They're going to see the 13th-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels because it's the way it's matched up in the Orange Bowl. But I think that, to me, it, it, it shows so many red flags. Why in the world? And, again, you can do it because, well, the way it is, you can do what you need to do. You could have put Florida. I'd rather see Florida and North Carolina and Oklahoma and, of course, that of uh, the, the, the Texas A&M guys. You know, at least you're getting five and six out of the way. And it, if you're going to do it that way, you could have moved all these different bowl games, the Peach Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and of course, the Orange Bowl. They did a poor job to me of putting the teams. They should have kept going in numbers, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten in those situations. So that way you really could see the closeness. Because, again, A&M blows out North Carolina. Well, it's five against 13. We expect that. They're not going to have a fight to say, well, look what we just said. They're going to say, well, you did that against the 13th-ranked team in the country. So, again, that's to me, was a setup against A&M. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the matchups were were a little bit messed up, and I, I think part of that is all the contractual issues that you have. If, if memory serves, um, the Fiesta Bowl, uh, the uh, Cotton Bowl, and the Peach Bowl are the three New Year's Six games that don't have automatic tie-ins. Uh, so the right. problem is, uh, obviously, this year, uh, the Sugar Bowl and the uh, Rose Bowl are semifinals. Uh, those, think about it. This could have been worse, is my point. Because think about if this was a year in which uh, the Rose Bowl, which is now going to be played in Dallas, where the Cotton Bowl is going to be played it, as a semifinal, if the Rose Bowl was not one of the playoff games, they have a mandated Big Ten, Pac-10 relationship which would have probably seen either Indiana or Northwestern playing Oregon in a New Year's Six game. From a ranking standpoint, nobody would have been excited about that. So we got lucky on that standpoint. Where we didn't get lucky is the Orange Bowl has that tie-in, and it mandates the SEC versus the ACC contractually, and so, or Notre right. Dame. Uh, and so that's what ended up falling into place. So I think you're absolutely right. The other piece of this that I think is interesting, uh, look at some of these matchups, right? You get all of a sudden you get Cincinnati playing Georgia, ironically in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. So you're gonna so basically Cincinnati gets to play a bona fide road game uh, against Georgia. Um, but but what's interesting is I think it's all the math says best case scenario. Coastal Carolina is probably best case scenario going to end up at 10 because six and seven are playing each other and eight and nine are playing each other. So we know two of them have to lose coastal sitting there at 12, but they're not getting higher than number 10. That's the math that we can see working itself out. Anyway, I thought Indiana got snubbed. I thought they should have uh, had a chance to play the new year's six bowl, but I also understand what the committee was doing. The committee feels like this is a different football team and not as good without the services of Michael Penix Jr. at the quarterback position. That's why they were punished. Even though they're sitting at number 11, they only played seven games as a Big Ten team, and also they don't have their quarterback, which was on a trajectory before he got hurt, uh, to maybe be in the mix at least for uh, uh, one of the quarterback awards or offensive kind of uh, player awards, or on the flip side, maybe even uh, getting some talk for, for a, a run at a Heisman had his numbers continued. I don't, I don't think he would have won it. I'm not suggesting that he would have won it, uh, but I think he would have gotten more verbal uh, discussion about it because of the trajectory he was on. So I think that's why Indiana's getting punished, per se, uh, because he's not available for that. Yeah, you mentioned Coastal Carolina. They're actually slated to play, I believe, this is going to be in the Cure Bowl, and it will kick off at 7.30 on ESPN with uh, Jamie Chadwell, who is, uh, I also believe, he's a finalist for the uh, F. WAA, that's the Eddie Robinson Award for the Coach of the Year. And I think, really, quite frankly, it's going to be hard to take that away from him. But it, it, we've learned anything in 2020. Anything and everything is possible. But they rewarded a team that they should have played at the final part of the year in Liberty. Now, normally, okay, I can understand that. But this isn't a normal season. That's not a normal team. They're doing things nobody else thought they would. I feel like they put them in the game again. They need to win and win big so they can have at least a little bit of an argument for down the road, but again, I think you're right. I think 10 is the best they're going to do to get into the 10. Your thoughts on 
them getting the the pick down there, heading I think down to Florida to play a team that they should have played at the end of the year in Liberty. Well, I'll say it this way: Why give those teams an opportunity to play somebody upwards at a true neutral site and they mess around and win the game? I mean, if you're the committee, why would you do that? That makes too much sense. And we've just talked about how the committee hasn't made a, a whole lot of sense consistently. But if you read the tea leaves, you can see the things that they're doing. And so, uh, you know, I feel like that is that is one of those things that's kind of part and parcel uh, to what's going on. So just so many moving parts, so many moving pieces. And, uh, you know, whether you look at the committee and, and I'm, you know, you're hearing a lot now of people saying, where's the inclusion Where's the opportunity uh, for some group of five schools to get a chance? Well, the reality is this. There, the path is very – they say there's a path. I don't believe there is. But if they do, okay, it's very, 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 very narrow. And they're going to keep it that way because it, it, college football is the world of the haves and have-nots. And so why would we make sure that the have-nots start to get an opportunity to have so that they start competing with those that already have? That, that it's just not the way the game is played. Um, and, and the main reason and the main issue, and I've said this for years, I think the biggest problem in collegiate athletics when it comes to determining a champion is that the teams that get put into the mix are determined by a committee, not a set of criteria that the players and coaches know that they have to achieve before the season starts. As you know, Richie, you've played the game, as many of the listeners know, that have played sports and been around sports their entire life. Athletes and coaches want to know one thing. What do I have to do to get to where I want to go? The, control the controllables. Coaches say that all the time. Well, if you're telling your players, hey, we can do everything we can. We can go out here and win every game, and we still don't have a chance to play for a championship. That is frustrating. And so, to me, I think they need to put some minimums in there. I don't know if the minimum needs to be you need to at least be a winner of a division in your conference. I don't know if it needs to be conference champion. I don't know if it needs to be 10 wins. I don't know what it needs to be exactly, but there needs to be some, for lack of a better term, mandatory minimums in there so that people know what they need to achieve to reach that point. If you know, you know what, we, we have to win our division and you don't win your division, it doesn't matter whatever else you've done, you've done and you don't have a complaint and no one, and, and, and even if you try it, everyone's going to say, you knew what you had to do and you didn't do it. That's what, that's what we hear all the time in the National Football League, whether it's Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, whatever. You know what? We didn't, we, yeah, we didn't make the playoffs because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. We didn't win enough games. And I think when you look at teams that are sitting there at the end of the season that are absolutely undefeated, they're going, what else could we do except for win all of our games? I, I, I'll give you another one, Richie. I know that schedules are not created equal, but Alabama's sitting there at 11-0, and and Coastal Carolina's sitting there at 11-0. and in most worlds, right. they're generally considered at the top because no one else has those records. Right. My question is to you, so, though, is, is check this out, though, real quick, though, because I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but when you look at it, there aren't many teams left undefeated in the country. They're one of, like, what, three or four teams remotely still undefeated in the country, and another team was beat this weekend, and you saw that in Notre Dame, but finish your, finish your sentence there. I didn't mean to cut you off. I think, there's, I think there's five undefeated teams in the country. you got Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Cincinnati. Obviously, we talked about Coastal Carolina. Uh, there's a West Coast, uh, San Jose State. 
uh, I think is the only other one. I want to say they were eight and zero, maybe seven and zero. Um, so those are the teams. The five five teams in the country at this point have not lost a game. I'm not saying they should all be in the playoff. I'm not saying they should all be playing for national championships. But at the very least, I feel like a lot of them should be playing each other in some way, shape, or form to see who is even better amongst the teams that haven't lost games. Yeah. I agree with you. This was the one time, as we're wrapping it up here with uh, Reginald Walker Jr., as always, our Monday night guest to start off our guest list. He comes all the way from the 814. That's the Lions and Joe Pa. Now he's playing here on Southern Sports Central a couple of days a week, at least one guaranteed opportunity with us here on a night like tonight. But you, you look at it for me, this was the one time and the final thing I want to get uh, out of you and your, your thoughts, but this is the one time they had a chance to know what it was like to, if you took college basketball and the selection of college basketball and you put that into a college football realm, which is why Marquette and some of these called Cinderella's and what makes March Madness so great, they had a chance to do that here in college football, but showed very quickly they ain't about that life. They want the money. They want the bag, and they want it now. And that's why Coastal, Cincinnati, and, of course, years ago, not long ago, it was uh, Central Florida. Didn't get a chance at the big pie in the sky. Yeah, I mean, this year I think was more obvious than most because here's the other piece of it that I think a lot of people have to remember. There's no ticket sales this year for a lot of these big bowl games. Ticket sales are an issue. Um, and so the only way to make that money up is make sure, at least from an aesthetic standpoint, you get the teams that you feel like are going to get you the most eyeballs on those games. And that's exactly what the committee did. They said, okay, we're not going to be able to sell out the Rose Bowl and get 104,000 people or whatever it is to make up the money if we sent a, making this up, Coastal Carolina out there, or if we sent a Cincinnati to the Cotton Bowl. You know, we're, we're not going to be able to, 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 you know, against Coastal Carolina, we're not, or, or to the Peach Bowl against Coastal Carolina, we're not going to be able to make those seats up, you know, make that money up um from the stands so we need to make sure that we get as many eyeballs on these playoffs as possible and so how do you do that alabama we know what kind of name brand that is uh ohio state we know what that name brand has been historically uh, notre dame national brand that they don't even have i mean they, they don't even have a conference in most years this year different because of their national branding and, and then you get clemson in there who's become a powerhouse program with a very charismatic coach who, who does a great job of, of creating attention and creating a buzz around his program uh, aside from just winning uh, in Clemson. So you find all of a sudden you've got the four teams that give you, in theory, the biggest eyeballs. And look, the, the only way that people can really and truly, uh, you know, sort of tell the committee and tell college football that this is unacceptable is they have to not watch the playoff. And the reality is, just based on the sheer numbers of Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State fans in this country, the numbers are not going to say that people don't care. The numbers are going to say that people want to watch those four teams because of the branding that comes with those four football programs. You're exactly right. I said that over the weekend with a couple of coaches around the tables as we kind of had a roundtable as uh, we did a uh, media day with the kids that balled out just yesterday. We were watching that Alabama game uh, taking on Florida. Florida, by the way, gave them a punch or two and maybe some more time and less mistakes. It might have been a different conversation. But, yeah, I, I think that in, until – I really don't know what's going to have to happen for this thing to be 
No, you're right. I mean, it's be bigger, right? It's going to take, yeah, it's going to take a Herculean effort for anything to change moving <laughs> forward. And, and, and the reality is, uh, like we said, it's a money grab. It's about making sure the haves continue to be the haves and the have-nots, you know, for lack of a better term, stay in their place. That's just what it comes down to uh, in college football. And if you want to know a prime example about haves and have-nots, I mean, look at Auburn. They still can't find a coach, but they're on the hook <laughs> for almost $22 million to ask a coach to go away. Go away. You look at LSU, yeah, they won a national championship last year. This year, they have a bad year. They struggle throughout the year. And now they're talking about it looks like Bo Pelini is going to be out as defensive coordinator. Oh, by the way, the defensive coordinator has a buyout of $5.2 million. Why, why would you think the, that the Power Five conferences would want to let Coastal Carolina get some of that money? The SEC needs that money to, to give to Auburn and LSU because they got to pay upwards of $30 million worth of buyouts this offseason. Mm. Meanwhile, Tennessee's got a lot of issues. It's rocky and rocky top. That's something maybe I can get you for a few minutes on Wednesday. We can keep talking some college football because, uh, you know, I want to catch you one more time before our Christmas break because we're not going to do a show Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. We're taking a, uh, a four-day hiatus away from the radio and the microphones. But, uh, man, I appreciate you. Just in case I don't get a chance, on behalf of all of us here at Southern Sports Central, to you, man, Merry Christmas. Can't wait to get back in here with you. But, We'll look for thir- Wednesday night. If you have some time on Wednesday night, let's do it. If not, man, thank you so much for all that you do to give us these gifts on the nights that you're able to jump in here, brother. Absolutely, anytime. And, and I would just tell the people out there listening uh, a couple things. Uh, number one, uh, I do have a poll up on my Twitter page, at rwalk13, about who should win the Heisman. If you get a chance, feel free to go there, throw in a vote. Uh, happy holidays to everybody. Be safe. Be healthy. Uh, enjoy. Uh, the family time, if you can, and, and, and just uh, continue to look for the positives during this pandemic. And, and until then, uh, we are. No doubt about it. Thank you very much, my friend Reginald Walker, Jr. And the 814 hanging out with us from Charlotte, North Carolina. Quick break, top of the hour. We're heading back to the state of South Carolina. We're going to go over to somewhere around C.E. Murray, where the head coach of yesterday's event. That was the South Carolina High School Blitz Southern Sports Central Junior Bowl Elite 88 game that took place. Of course, uh, Coach Smitty over there uh, got a chance to show some talent on the lower part of the state of South Carolina. Let's catch up with that guy right out of break, guys. Don't go anywhere. Hour two coming up next.
All right, everybody, welcome here. We're now going to hang out with, uh, well, Coach from C.E. Murray. He, of course, uh, did his things yesterday. He took over the reins of the lower part of the state of South Carolina in the South Carolina High School Blitz Southern Sports Central Junior Bowl, the Elite 88. Fell a little short yesterday, Coach, 14-7, but a lot of things came out. A lot of positive smiles, a lot of positive memories and moments, and uh, a lot of friendships, as you saw on the, the handles that's still moving in that chat room. But these young guys are making those friendships that's a lot bigger than any game they'll play on a football field, Coach. Yeah. First off, I like to comment on the intro music with Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, yesterday we we felt like Stone Cold coming out in the game. And um, it was a great atmosphere, uh, just unbelievable camaraderie amongst the guys. We we wanted to put on a better offensive show, but uh, field conditions and, and uh, limited practice time and getting everybody um, some time in the game, you know, kind of limits what offenses can do. So you saw both defenses very dominant in the game, uh, and their defense made one more play than ours ours did. They came up with a pick six to end the game, and uh, Coach Wilcock in the West, uh, congrats to them that they played great as well and uh you have to you have to take your hats off to them and and again our, these guys built lifelong relationships they're still talking about it today and um you know we're, we're just glad to be a part of it no doubt we're hanging out with the uh, coach from the east side moving to the east side we're of course hanging out right now with coach smitty who he and i got a chance to Hang out over the weekend, Coach. Uh, you know, not only did the players get a chance to grow a bond, the, the coaches. You guys uh, were able to get some of the best coaches around the lower state of South Carolina. Coach Wilcock over there got the best of the best of the upstate of South Carolina. But the relationships didn't just start and stop on the football field with the players. You know, saw it there in the lobby. Of course, we all got to hang out in and around the practice field and around the hotel. But But talk to me about – all these great coaches of the East that, that brought in mentalities, but brought in testimonies and, and their skills from wherever they came from here in the lower part of the state. Right. So, you know, we had coach Atkins from uh, Lakewood, Mozell Atkins, and um, he headed up our defense, did a fantastic job with the guys, getting them pumped up, ready to play. And they played a fantastic game. Um, you know, only gave up seven points and um, they, they, you know, he, he definitely was a big part of uh, the weekend for sure. Uh, also on on defense, we had Coach Terrence Butler from the Myrtle Beach area who, who trains a, a ton of the guys that were uh, a part of this game and in other games as well. Uh, and we also had uh, one of my assistant coaches, Jason Myers, our defense coordinator at T. Murray. And uh, he did a great job with that D-line getting after the quarterback. I think we had seven or eight sacks in the game. On offense, you had uh, Coach Cedric Bennett coaching up the running backs. He's my assistant head coach and running backs coach at C. Murray High School. And then, then we also had uh, two Fort Dorchester coaches, Coach Kevin White, former Gamecock player, 
uh, did a fantastic job with the wideouts, and then Coach Joey still a legend at Fort Dorchester, coaching up their offensive line. So uh, those those were the guys. Again, these guys didn't get paid anything. They gave up their weekend to come out and uh, try to advance high school football in the state of South Carolina. Talking right now with Coach Smitty. He was the head coach of the East team in our big inaugural game between the upper state and the lower state, brought to you by Southern Sports Central and the South Carolina High School Blitz. Ken Brown and myself made an agreement back in uh, 2019 over in Columbia, South Carolina, Williams Bryce Stadium. It was the day of champions between three different uh, classifications that we made that deal. We said, look, I do what I do down on this side. You do what you do. The next year and, and meet and see what we can do. And here we are talking about what it was, not what it would be. And of course, it was a great game, a great matchup, and a lot of great players. Uh, let's start real quick with the young man that I interviewed on media night on Saturday night. He ain't the, he's not the tallest guy. He's not, you know, one of the widest guys, but he's probably one of the fastest guys. Now, they got him marked as a wide receiver, but Nigel George coming all the way from Dillon, this kid looks every bit of like an Ace Sanders style running guy and and he's a running back y'all so he comes out of here and i thought it was very fun to watch him and of course uh casey adams uh the two smaller running backs yeah. i thought probably had the best uh ability to utilize that that weather as their friend because they went under you rather than try to go over or through you right both both uh both of those guys you know have great speed and, and uh agility and the field conditions were, were bad it was wet and a lot of guys were slipping and falling, and uh, especially KZ Adams. KZ Adams, you know, he's one of the best running backs in the entire state, no doubt about it. Doesn't matter size, in my opinion, at all. Uh, he, he's definitely one of the best I've seen. Where he can make things happen, no matter what, no matter if the offensive line's blocking, not blocking, it doesn't matter. He he can still break it, and that, and that's important. Um, that he has that ability because not many guys have that ability. They, uh, if, if things aren't 100% correct, you know, some guys can't get through there and get through and bounce out and, and make the play. And Casey Adams definitely can. And Nigel George did a few times. Uh, but Casey right. Adams, wow, that kid's special. Yeah, special indeed. Uh, some other special players that uh, kind of took the handle by the deal was a kid out of King Street. How about this kid, Tyree? Uh, not mistaken, the young man, because uh, he is a DB that got the MVP of the class of 22 in that position. Tell us a little bit about him on the other side of the ball. King Street kid, that's the uh, little part of the state. Who, again, talk about size, no, doesn't he's, he's matter. He's not a small guy. Oh, well, he's a C. Murray. That's one of your guys. That's even better, Coach. Yeah. So, so with that being said, yeah. <laughs> that, that being said, though, again, he, he, he's not a five, he's not a four. Right, he, he's a color classification that shows you you go out and ball out against the best. You're going to carry home as he did yesterday. As you see a picture there on Twitter with uh, myself and Ken there to carry home a big five star belt with him. Right, Tyree's you know a special athlete in himself. Six three, one eighty, played QB and and the defensive back four started two ways. Never came off the field at any point during the game, uh, played all special teams as well for us. And uh, he, he's a special kid. He's, he's got it all together. He's already NCAA eligible. Uh, and he showed you, again, it doesn't matter what classification you're in. 
If you're a player, you're a player. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games, and that's what he does, and that's what he did. Yes, they had two interceptions, five tackles, and got the DB MVP of the game, and deservingly so. Uh, And, again, just shows you the talent levels in this state. It doesn't matter of classification at all. It matters how good a player you are, and he's definitely one of the best in the entire state. And um, I look forward to, you know, coaching him for another year next year and then sending him off to college. And hopefully um, his uh, recruiting will pick up now after after that game and uh, he'll start banging home some offers. No doubt about it, Coach. Another young man got to carry home some hardware yesterday. He got the number one wide receiver. That went to Antonio Williams. The kid is from Fort. The best play that I thought he made was the one where Ryan kind of floated it just a little bit on y'all's side of the field, and he stopped. He was like, nope, I'm not even trying that one, because had he had caught that ball, he would have caught a few shoulder pads as well. And again, he made a lot of great plays. That's why Ken and I rewarded him that with the wide receiver award of yesterday game out of the East. He's represented there, but Dutch Fork doing Dutch Fork things. He's got multiple rings, at least five on his hands there at, uh, at that position. But you see what he did yesterday. But you had not only Mr. Of course, uh, Mr. Williams there, you had a lot of big guys. One of those, Demetrius McKelvey, I thought made a great play for Dorchester's kid. Uh, of course, uh, you, you got a handful of other guys that I thought really stood up yesterday, played uh, some really good ball, and, and really gave us a chance if you're pulling for the eastern side and doing some big things there coach your thoughts on all your wide receivers and that number one receiver award that went to yeah. antonio williams right well antonio williams is a freak of nature for sure he, he's a in my opinion a four or five star kid no doubt about it every college in the nation should be after that kid he's a and 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 the best thing is he's humble he's a great kid uh from what i've been around him and uh i i I just don't see why everybody in the nation hasn't offered him already because he can do special things. If the ball's thrown anywhere near his vicinity, he runs great routes. He's polished. Uh, I can't say enough about the kid. I mean, he's got it all, and I look forward again to watching him uh, play on Saturdays and hopefully Sundays at at some point. And I think he's that type of kid. I hate, you know, you know, it's, it, it, it is what it is, but that's what he is. He's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, Demetrius McKelvey, another guy who's a freak of nature. Uh, you're talking about a guy that's six five, six six, and um, over you know over 215 pounds that can run, he can catch, he can do it all. Um, again, I'm a, any college in the nation, I, I, I'm calling up Fort Dorchester to get Demetrius McKelvey. Uh, we also had Xavier Short, uh, Xavier Short from Chapin, a kid again who, who is so talented, does it all and a great person, and, and a, you know, he already has a Wake Forest offer and other offers, but that kid, I mean, he'll block his butt off for you and runs such great routes and, and is a great pass catcher himself. And then you had a, a Boots Mitchell out of Berkeley High School, and Boots is fast. He runs uh, good routes and, you know, ran a reverse in the game for about eight yards, and we try to get him the ball a little more just, you know, with timing and, and – uh, breakdowns of protections and stuff like that. It's tough in an all-star game. Plus, with the wet conditions, uh, it was a little tough on the quarterbacks as well uh, to get those wideouts the ball. But, I mean, those, those are some great wideouts that we had. Uh, you know, you can't ask anything more as a coach than to have that kind of talent. 
Let's look at the other side of the ball real quick there. A couple of guys that stood out to me. One, I got to give uh, the kid for my alumni, of course, also uh, Terrence Butler, former Sox Deep Brave, who uh, owns, of course, uh, ESA, but he's uh, doing great things there on the Grand Strand as he's back in my hometown. But Bryce Holmes, usually an offensive guy. We move him to defense, or y'all move him to defense, and he had a block that really could have been an easy six if the receiver caught it, went off his fingertips and caused a lot of – a lot of havoc there. Of course, Bryce Holmes is one of those guys. The other guy that we moved from center over to defense was Jaden Johnson. Goose Creek's big guy that I thought did big things. And, of course, uh, you, you can't go without talking about I'm going to let you introduce this big defensive lineman that came in here from uh, Ridgeview. This kid was all over the field that was just constantly all around of just causing havoc throughout the entire day for the boys over there in the black jerseys. Right. I told everybody going into the game that our defensive line is one of the best defensive lines I've seen in a long time. So talented across the board. I I would venture to say at least five, maybe six of those guys will end up either at the power five or um, F. FBS level, you know, playing for Coastal or Georgia Southern or App State or one of those. And then, you, like I said, some of them are going to be Power Five guys. Um, and Antonio Gaines at Ridgeview, again, mm. if I'm any college in the nation. I'm calling up Coach Parks at Ridgeview and saying, give me the big guy's <laughs> number. I need his number now because he gets right. after it every play, does not take a play off, is quick, has great hands, great movement, great hips. And um, it's, it, he's, you know, almost unblockable. And then, and then you, like I said, the guy we moved from, uh, was a center all year, I guess, at Goose Creek. But uh, sure opened a lot of eyes at defensive um, tackle, Jaden Johnson, <laughs> down there at Goose Creek. Again, if, if I'm a college coach and, and it, if his grade check out, then uh, I'm all over Jaden Johnson. I don't care where I'm at. I don't care if I'm a power five guy, I'm calling Goose Creek and getting Jaden Johnson. Uh, also, a uh, kid at Sumter High, Davin Jackson, was all over the right. field again at defensive end. Uh, and, again, another guy that I'd be all over if I'm a college coach because he, he has a motor that doesn't stop, gets after the ball, has great technique. Uh, two guys that were underrated coming in. One was Bryce Holmes, like you said, um, out of Socrates, who played defensive end for us and made some plays. Um, also, Alvin Wilson out of Buford came out of nowhere. I believe he had two big game for Alvin. Game and, and and a lot of pressures, and he's so fast and quick off of the ball. And again, I'm one of those FBS at Georgia Southerns, and, and those of the world, I'm calling Buford to get Alvin Wilson's number as well. And then the kid from Hemaway had a had a sack and um, did well as well. Geo Davis, Geo Davis played defensive hmm. end, um, and another one A guy that. Showed you again, hey, it doesn't matter the classification. Uh, get out there and ball and, and do what you can do. But all those guys up front, like I said, were dominant and um, had great games. And they're great players. I mean, you watch their film. They do the same things for their high school. So, right. um, you know, I, that was exciting to see. And, and I bet, you know, some of those are, are going to be getting calls here shortly whenever um, these college coaches are allowed to call them. Yeah, and we saw a lot of opportunities here, of course. Uh, you, you had so many different guys play. Tyree Prunes, of course, uh, you know that cat there. He's one of your guys. Andre Washington from Ridgeview. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, you, you saw 
Matt, or excuse me, Ryan Berger playing some big. And then I also, you can't go without mentioning the guy from Well Branch, Joseph Hicks. I mean, I got to tell you something. The kids in that Beaufort County, that area, they're kind of a diamond in the rough down there. They're kind of hiding a needle in a haystack, if you were in the lower part of the low country. They have got an extremely amount of incredible talent all around in that area that sometimes, because of where they are, they kind of get lost between that Georgia line and that Charleston County line. But they know their way to the end zone or know their way to the back of an, a, a quarterback when uh, they're coming from the other side. Talk about the young men that I just mentioned there, your quarterbacks. Talk about the kid from Well Branch. And then yeah. it's easy to run the ball, Coach, when you got an average offensive line of about 6'5". I'd hate to feed your guys, by the way, because, man, we had a very massive front line on the offense if you're looking at it at the east. Right. Um, you know, talking about the quarterbacks, we had uh, Andre Washington from Ridgeview, a dual threat guy that can do kind of both things. And, and again, it's hard. You know, all our quarterbacks, you know, did as be, the best they could yesterday, but it's hard when you only get, you know, basically two practices and then come out and uh, try to build time in and all that with receivers and, and throw the ball around in on a wet day and um, with a new offensive line. So, it makes it hard on the quarterbacks, but Andre Washington at Ridgeview definitely has the tools to be a college quarterback. Ryan Berger uh, up at Myrtle Beach, uh, I thought, handled the offense great. He was one of our captains, uh, made, made some good plays. And, um, again, it's tough in an all-star game, you know, when that pressure's coming on you uh, constantly, especially with uh, breakdowns and protections, which are, you know, no fault of his and, uh, you know, there's certain things, you know, caused certain errors, but uh, he played well. And and then um, Isaiah Whiteside at Gilbert, another quarterback that we had that uh, I thought can do a lot of things, a dual threat guy that I'm sure will um, have a great senior season at Gilbert. Uh, so th- those were our quarterbacks. And then, like you said, uh, down at Whale Branch, a school that dropped down the 1A this year, Joseph Hicks. He, he looks like um, a little – version of Herschel Walker he's built um you know <laughs> he's chiseled for sure he can carry the ball uh also plays linebacker he didn't play linebacker for us yesterday but also plays linebacker at Well Branch and um you know those running backs that we had Joseph Hicks Dimitri Simmons from uh Goose Creek High School uh Mikel Lance up there in um the Myrtle Beach area um and then um, Elijah Vereen, who actually plays running back for North Myrtle Beach, but had a heck of a day at uh, defensive back for our team, is another phenomenal athlete that a lot of schools should be all over. They should all be all over Elijah Vereen for sure. Hanging out, wrapping it up here, just a few minutes. Coach off the east side. That's right. Off the east side was Coach Smitty's boys. Put in the first seven, Coach. You did a pick there. You got it in. And then you got the chance to score, Coach. Uh, you know, you, when you went into the locker room, what kind of conversations do you have? Because you're surrounded by uh, the guys that are the best of the best on their teams. So everybody there, it's kind of right. like when you first go to college, you look around and everybody there is somebody where they came from. That's why they're where they're at yesterday. Well, what do you those young men when you went into half? And then give us a recap of what did you tell them at the and you sat in that room with them and you just kind of had that moment with them before you released them back to their parents. Right. Well, we just, you know, we're totally more proud of them. And, um, you know, at halftime, we were making our regular halftime adjustments and trying to clean up some things. We, we missed some shots there. 
in the first half uh, where we could have taken over the game better. You know, we were up 7 nothing all the way till the fourth quarter, so we dominated for three quarters and then kind of let it slip away there in the fourth. Uh, but we were we took some shots there in the second quarter and late first quarter that we, we you know, we just missed on one of the balls Antonio Williams had and then and at the last second it got knocked out on the way down. Another one I thought he got pass interference on that they didn't call. Um, then, of course, the West got a big pass interference call in the fourth quarter. That was highly questionable, we'll say, but um, that, that helped them on their touchdown drive for sure. Um, but with all that being said, you know, we, we told them after the game how proud of them we were. We were so excited for them for their futures and, um, you know, if they ever need anything, you know, don't hesitate to call one of us. And, and uh, you know, me and Coach Wilcock both uh, expressed that to both teams and, and told them, you know, just how proud we are of the way they, they behaved during the weekend. I mean, we didn't have a single problem with any of the kids. All the kids got along. There was no um, no anything that could negatively affect any, any anybody at all. I mean, it, it was class act of all those kids, and, and it proves just how great the kids that, that were picked for the game, that you didn't have any issues, and the kids all got along, and, and like you said, they built lifelong friendships and relationships, and they all had a chance to show their best yesterday, and, and a lot of them did. I mean, I know Coach Wilcox, I mean, wow, you talk, his team was talented as well, and I can name <laughs> You know, a, a bunch of guys who are going to play on Saturdays on his team as well. So, uh, yes, sir, it, it was definitely exciting. And I, I think we definitely set the bar for the future in South Carolina, where I believe that uh, this is going to become a yearly thing now for the class, uh, junior class each year, where that game is going to be the highlight of the year for the state of South Carolina each and every year from here on out. And I would venture to say it's it's going to be you know, you know just like a Shrine Bowl North South game from here on out where um, I would even think the coaches association would uh, look at um, doing it big time. So um, we said yeah, and I'm going to say this, coach, is when you look at it in hindsight. Didn't mean to cut you off there, coach, but when you look at it, what I would like to do next year, again, we're building every year. We're trying to be better tomorrow than we were today and, and, and yesterday and all that good stuff. But looking at it this way, what I would like to do next year because of where Southern Sports Central stands in the state, we're in the lower state, and where the South Carolina High School Blitz stands in the upstate because we partnered with this game, by the way. We were, we were the other half of this entity going into this game and coming out of this game. But since we're, we are is where we are, and by the way, Coach, you do owe me a steak dinner. We'll talk about that for about 30 seconds after I say what I say. I would like to let Ken have with his decor on the upstate, and I would like to have Southern Sports Central doke, you know, on the domes of the lower state. And that kind of adds a little fuel to that fire and, again, kind of separates the two, right? I think that adds a little fun and flair to the game. What do you think there, Coach? Right, right. I think that'd be a good rivalry. So, uh, yeah, Blitz versus Southern Sports Central each year, and uh, <laughs> you know that that would that would be um, something special for sure. But I, I do believe junior games are here to stay. I, I, I again, we set the right. bar. A lot of people doubted us um, at first; didn't think it could be done. And uh, people are gonna look back on this game five years from now and say, "Man, 
they had Jaleel Skinner, Ashton Whitner, Davin Jackson, Tonio Gaines, um, Demetrius McKelvey, uh, Jaden Johnson. All those guys played Tyree Cruz. All these guys played in that one game. Oh gosh, wow! And, and not and, to you mention know, the young man that went to, that's going to Arkansas that didn't even play right, showed up Antonio to support Williams. The... Yep, man. Eli Henderson, Eli Henderson, Antonio Williams. I mean, you. you you just have so much talent that played in this game. Guys that, again, uh, Xavier Short. So you're going to see all these guys on Saturdays a couple of years on out, and everybody's got to look back and say, man, every one of them played in the junior game uh, at Ben Lippin that day. And that has, you know, we haven't been able to say that for a long time in South Carolina for an all-star game. Because, you know, the North-South, uh, great organization. Scott Early does a right. fantastic job, in that, and he's taken over as the director now, and he's the best, I think, at, at doing those things. Um, but the talent has, you know, been watered down a little in that game due to uh, guys leaving early for college, and, and same with the Shrine Bowl. Right. A lot of guys leave early for college. Um, so it affects those senior games for sure. Um, so you don't see the – four- and five-star guys anymore getting after it against each other like we used to 10 years ago when they didn't have uh, early enrollment. Um, and those games were packed. With, I, I saw on the highlight tape earlier today, Darius Leonard played for the um, South team one year in the North-South game. He didn't even make the Shrine Bowl, which was crazy. Should have been a Shrine Bowler. But um, that's how much talent used to play in those senior games. So – those games that those days are over. We can't live in the past, and we've talked about this before on the show. You got to move forward, and you got to adapt to the times that you're in. And I truly right. believe now that we set the bar that the junior game will now take the uh, torch and the highlight uh, from now on out. Because again, if you want to see the best of the best, the best players in your state playing at one time on one field, you're going to have to do it junior year from here on out. Because um, that way you 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 don't have anybody who's left college early. So right. uh, I'm left for college early. So that, that's you know that that's something that I think is here to stay. Well, we'll definitely uh, we're looking forward to seeing the growth of this thing, Coach. Great job, win or lose. I, I thought you did a great job. You, you did it for an amazing cause and uh, the memories that you made with a lot of players. The memories you made, of course, with us here at Southern Sports Central, uh, with you and your staff. I just want to say, uh, you know, you didn't come out with the win. Uh, but you did come out with a lot of memories, some uh, some new uh, friends along the way, not only players, but coaches, some family members. And uh, and I came out with the steak. So there you go. We we made the deal. And uh, I'll be looking for you to come to Somerville, to Hall's Chop House here very soon, my friend. But uh, God bless you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. we got to go to break because I'm heading up to the upstate. Check in with Coach Wilcox. Right. But you can listen in. I'll put you in the green room. You can hear with yep. the guy that you yep. became close buddies with this weekend right out of this break, buddy. Thank you again, and Merry Christmas. God bless you. Merry Christmas. All right, there you go, guys. Quick break. Coming back to the upstate. From the lower state to the upstate, we go with the winning coach of the weekend just yesterday. That is Coach Wilcox and the boys up on the west side. That's coming up right out of this. There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt 
in my adult life, the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons, I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men, and it's just beautiful. back, everybody. I'm Rich Yelman here on Southern Sports Central. I want to thank the coach out of the east side of things. That was Coach, of course, uh, Smitty. He was the coach of the eastern side of this uh, big matchup that we played yesterday right here in the state of South Carolina there in Columbia, South Carolina, capital city, where two great coaches put two great teams. It was 88 and all, 44 on east, 44 on the west, and it was the Wild West that came out with the win, and we now bring in Coach Wilcock in here as a uh, Coach, uh, the Wolfpack theme is kind of your theme. I figured you guys rolled back to the upstate kind of with that same beat in your head and a few uh, belts and a trophy <laughs> representing this uh, inaugural football game that took place yesterday. Yes, sir. Uh, well, before we get started, just want to uh, shout out uh, Coach uh, Smitty, who uh, put together a great product, and I have a lot of respect for him, as a, not only as a coach, but as a man. I feel like he's he's a coach that does things the right way for the right reasons, so Anytime you get to um, be around for, uh, someone like that, man, you just have to try to, uh, you know, try to learn something from him. And just his passion for his players, um, you know, just really showed me that he's a high-character guy. And, you know, he coaches in Greeley's see Murray. I'm from St. Stephen, South Carolina, which is right next door. So, um, you know, it's, you know, familiar with the area, and, uh, and he's doing a great job with that program. So definitely want to uh, give a shout-out to Coach Smitty. No doubt about it. It's two great coaches did an incredible job. Uh, Coach, uh, before we talk about some of the guys that got some hardware yesterday, let, let's talk about the experience. Uh, we all got there uh, Friday. You guys got there a little bit before me, and you were one of the first voices I heard as I jumped out of the car there as uh, Eugene drove us up from the uh, low country. But, uh, man, it, it was a great thing to see so many guys from so many families, from so many different area codes, zip codes, all coming together for one purpose. And like I told them on both of the buses, when I stepped on that bus Saturday morning, I hit the East and the West bus. I said, guys, look, we know we're playing a game. You're, you're here to play the game, but you're really here to get this experience, to make these relationships, because the guy sitting next to you or closest to you, the guy that you could talk to all weekend long, this time next year could have an offer where you want to go. And that, as much as we say we can help you as coaches, those are the best recruiters you've got is a guy that's already committed to a campus that you want to get to, Coach. Definitely. And, again, you know, like, you know, for example, uh, Antonio Williams, who I think is a 
a freak talent, and, and you know, and by the way, he's a high character kid as well. Um, you know, he has, you know, a million offers, and Jaleel Skinner has a million offers. And you know, the crazy thing about them is, along, along with Devin Cagle, they all play little league football uh, together. They all in this game together, which is you know, extremely funny to me. But you know, who knows? Antonio and Jaleel may get on the phone, but hey, man, wh- where are you going, and why do you want to go there? And so, being that those two have respect for each other, then you know. Uh, you know, programs gonna be getting both of those guys just based on the relationship they already had. So you look at an All Star game, and you know, kids who uh, you know just kind of get to know each other over the weekend, and you know they may hit it off right away. But hey, man, I want to I play with you, or like you know, you get a running back like KZ, who you know tells Nick Williams, "Hey, man, I enjoyed running behind you. I would love to run behind you for the next four years." You know, and and, and they hit it off. So those All Star games um, are extremely important as far as recruiting goes. Because these kids get an opportunity to um, build a relationship with each other, and I, and I apologize for my voice. I, I was yelling all weekend, having a good time, so my voice is going in and out since I got back home. <laughs> hey, coach, you 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 held the trophy at the end of the fourth quarter. You can talk any way you want, and and uh, no excuse needed. As you, uh, you whatever you did, it worked. And no no throwing a rock at you, Smitty. Uh, you actually, I don't know if you're not. Or, uh, Coach uh, Wilcox, but you actually made me a steak dinner of the deal, so I appreciate you getting me that dinner. The <laughs> but uh, there is one guy that did play yesterday. In fact, let's talk about the guys on your team that did play yesterday. They came to support the call, to represent the West. Uh, they were either with some nagging injuries or they had a commitment. They really felt like, you know what, I, I can't play the game, but I can come and support the cause. And was a 6-4-288 center from Burns High School course, committed right now to Arkansas already. Eli Henderson is one of those guys. Uh, talk to me about Eli and, and, and some of the other guys who didn't play, play definitely or are five-star uh, before they even got. You know, Eli, for example, you know, first of all, this kid is a high-character kid, man. I, I was blown away uh, uh, by how respectful he was. And, uh, he, you know, he committed to Arkansas. He didn't have to be there. But he, he he showed up to show support and represent his school in this game and you know just a a pillar of upstate football and man this kid is man just a high character kid now, you know you usually get kids of that caliber you know they're kind of like you know I'm better than this and then this kid was just uh, you know high character and, and I'll say this too uh you know he's a part of a train built family built by Coach Amos Lamb um who who runs mm-hmm. the train built uh, offensive line of training and all of his kids were just High character kids, you know, and I've known Amos. We, me and Amos went to college together. Uh, he's a little bit um, older than I am. I was a freshman, and he uh, uh, is our senior year. But man, this that train built family with all of the linemen, and you know, also you know, Colin Tyler is under that same umbrella. And you know, those, all those kids were just so respectful. It was like, wow, man, and Eli Henderson. You know, he was there supporting his brothers, and, and, and again, I was just blown away by his character. You know, he, you know, anytime you get to have an All Star game. You, you know, it's kids there who are, who are talented. So I wasn't blown away by the talent. I was blown away by the character of these kids. I was like, man, these, these kids are high character kids. And, that, and that's, just, that's just another example, another reason why of, you know, what is not just talent that's going to open up doors for you. Character does matter. And a kid like Eli Henderson uh, is a prime example of that. So I'm, I definitely, again, a lot of talented kids were blown away by Eli's character. And so if his parents are listening, shout out to, the, to his parents for raising a great young man. No doubt. A lot of great young men. We found 88 great young men at the end of this thing when it was finally sent down about 5 o'clock yesterday. As we're live right now with the head coach of the West team, the team that put it all on the line and pulled it out 14-7.
there at the end scored 14 unanswered points to put it away for the, uh, the, the team over there in the West team. Now, he's the head coach of Eastside. That's in the upstate. Don't get it twisted. It's not down here in the lower state, and that's Coach Andre, no, uh, Andre Woolock. So, yeah, you hear that Eastside. You've heard it all week long, but, again, you're, you're up there in that upstate. Now, Coach, when you look at it, you surround yourself with great coaches. You've already talked about one of those guys, and i got to be honest with you. You know, Coach Lamb, again, one of the best in the business at what he does, and uh, I've had – yeah, we uh, our, our as well. Is, I'm sorry, our staff was already family. Uh, just so, just to break it down, um, Coach Hoffman, who is my offensive coordinator at Eastside, who I believe is phenomenal, and I'm sure he's gonna get a head coaching job here soon. So, I better appreciate the time I have with him now. He's my offensive coordinator, Coach Haley, who coaches the running backs in this game, is my receivers coach at Eastside. Uh, Cameron Cannell, when I was a grad assistant at North Greenville, he was an incoming freshman. So me and Camry um, already had a relationship. Again, Coach Lamb, offensive the line coach, we went to North Greenville together. Um, you know, so you have, you have that side of the ball. Defensively, uh, my defensive um, coordinator, linebackers coach, Roy Ravenel, who's a D.C. at Greer, uh, we're in the same region, but we're also from the same hometown. You know, so I've mm. known Roy since I've been, like, nine years old. Then he went to middle school with my older brother. So, you know, it was already a family atmosphere there, like, I um, I ended up marrying his cousin, which is weird. So, um, you know, really have that aspect there. Um, defensive line coach Jamie Isaac, who's at Lower Richland, me and his brother, um, Newland Isaac, were grad assistants together at North Greenville. So I've known Jamie for years, and who I think is a man who, who's a star in the, uh, in the Midlands area. And, you know, it's hard to find guys that can coach all three levels of a defense, and he's one of them. Uh, so definitely, uh, it was a blessing to finally get the coach with him and Kevin Washington, who um, who um, you know is a you know great DB talent. You know, um, you know does, works with DBs and linebackers with your next training, and you know I've known him since. I met, so I did an internship with the South Carolina Force indoor football team. Plays I've known Kevin since I was 21, and so it was, it was just bringing the family together and and allowing some of the guys who didn't know each other to get to know each other, but. You know, all those guys consider me family, and they treat me like family. And, and again, the great thing about the staff I had uh, was a lot of them, you know, see me as the little brother. You know, I'm a head coach of um, head coach of the east side, head coach of the team. You know, Amos, Kevin, and Roy, you know, they're all older than me. And ever since, I, you know, I got into the, um, uh, the coaching profession, they all, they all poured into me, and they, they, and they all said that, you know, uh, hey, man, we feel like, you know, you can, you're, you're going to be the next one. And so um, – you know, they always took care of me, man. And, you know, it was just a blessing to finally put that staff together. And uh, as guys that I respect, um, you know, that, you know, just, and, and there's a lot of great coaches, but the, the staff I put together was, like, great men. So, you know, that, that staff was awesome, man. That, man, it was a blessing to have that staff together. Man, and you guys did it big here. And you did it with the wheels of uh, Casey Adams, some great collegiate. You know, we uh, had a chance to see him down here in the low country. That cat ran one to the far side, right? He had the longest run of the of the night on the running backs. I think he had one for 45 on the far side, on the visitor side. He took off down the line and stepped out of three, rolled out of one, and drug two down with him. And it was a very impressive run. But he had many of those, and he kind of picked them apart throughout the day before he got that big one. So it was a fourth, fourth and one, I believe. And, you know, uh, and, and if you've watched Eastside over the last two years, I'm – uh, I'm a special teams guy. That's where I got my start in coaching, but I don't like putting the ball on fourth and short. And that's probably why being my offensive coordinator get along so well. 
But um, it was fourth and one, and I looked at my OC. I was like, hey, look, I'm not putting the ball. And the crazy thing, our punt at Devery Cagle was the east side kid, and he, and he knows he's also a heck of a receiver too. Uh, and so I was like, look, man, um, I'm not putting the ball right now. I want the ball in KZ's hand. And my OC looks at me and goes, hey, me and you on the same page. I'm like, great. And that's the one he broke off for the, you know, 40-plus yards. And I can't mm. – kid's special. And there's a lot of great talent in that game. And, and I hope that uh, a college out there – uh, pays attention to the film that's been uh, that's been put out because I, I believe all 88 kids um, is more than capable enough of uh, playing on Saturdays. You know, my biggest thing I was preaching to the group was, hey man, get get test scores. You know, everyone can play football. You know, but right. I mean, make sure you have your test scores. Make sure you have the GPA to go along with it because it, it it makes me sad, man. Honestly, man, it breaks my heart. I see so much great talent in the state and and, and colleges like, hey, kids in South Carolina don't have grades. And that stereotype drives me crazy because, you know, you know, it just feels like, man, you know, don't, 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 don't knock my state because of a stereotype of our kids not having grades. And and if that has been an issue in the past, I guarantee you that that won't be an issue moving forward with, with companies like you know yours and high school blitz. I agree with you now, Coach, uh, and you're exactly right. You can show me all the highlight film, all the all the all the incredible plays. On the field, I need to see an incredible play in the classroom. And actually, David Shelton put that out yesterday and said, "Look, if you're not leading by test scores, then it doesn't matter if you're leading on the football field. You got to lead in the classroom before you lead in the weight room, and you lead on the football field. And it does go in that direction, right, Coach? I mean, it starts classroom, weight room, football field. Jarrell Robinson, by the way, picked up an award for the defensive line, if I'm not mistaken, out of Greer." He also is a five-star scholar on and off the field as well. Talk about that young man who got some uh, hardware and a belt to take home yesterday as well. <laughs> well, I can talk about that young man because uh, I coached against him when he, you know he's at Greer and that's a region game for us. And that kid is a problem. Man, he's a he's a, he's a problem. And shout out to Coach Young, who's the head coach at Greer, and uh, Coach Ravenel is the defense coordinator there. They do a great job uh, with that program. But man. Uh, Jarrell is just, man, he's a high-character kid, man. Like, gosh, like, and I keep saying that, but, man, he, re- he really is. And, you know, I, I look forward to seeing that kid play. You know, um, man, he, and he has a motor. You know, it, they'll be that big and that powerful. You know, a lot of kids like that take plays off, and that kid just goes. That kid's on go for the entire game. And, you know, get an awesome kid with high character. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't know how his recruiting going, but I know Coach Young does a great job of getting those kids in the schools. So I'm sure his recruiters were definitely going to pick up if they're ready at. But man, great, great, let's, team, great character. Let's talk some uh, special teams. You got two awards in this category. One of them was the number one long snapper in the state, number eight in the nation. That's a thing. That's when you know you're doing it right when you're ranked eight in the country at long snapping. And trust and believe me, ask some NFL teams how big a deal this is. And this kid's coming from Hillcrest, Trip Smith, and this young man. Really, I thought put that thing quickly uh, as his leg quick as I've seen some of the quarterbacks and receiver to the backfield, coach. Oh man, that, he got a bit defense on sale. Uh, and the crazy thing, my punter, Devery Cable, who was a punter, looked at me and it'll take a snap. He just looked at me like, boy, like this, this, this is it right here because of how fast it was getting there. And um, man, you know, that, that's something I think a lot of coaches take for granted, in which I don't think you should. Because a bad snap can change the momentum of an entire game, and to say that he, not only was it fast, it was, it was extremely accurate, which allows Devery to do some really good things. And if you look at the game, the last get play of the game uh, was a punt. Uh, was a punt. So 
you know, I mean, shout out to Kurt Smith, you know, a uh, great talent that I think a lot of colleges are, are paying attention to who he is because it's a part of the game you can't ignore. What about another area you can't ignore? Another guy that got the kicking award, Drew Stevens. This young man uh, was money in the bag. I saw him take a tough slide with the conditions, but it still didn't get that thing uh, from traveling. The kid comes from North Augusta. Drew Stevens gets the uh, the kicker award. Coach, tell us the play that played to kind of pin back the East team and keep guys on the right side of the field. You know what? When you got a, a ticket as putting it in the end zone every single play, I mean, every single kickoff, it, it, you know, you don't really worry about your kickoff pretty much, you know, because, you, you know, they're not going to return it. And so that's a huge part of the game, and he was able to flip the field. Because I'll be honest with you, I was not kicking it to Antonio Williams uh, at the end of the game. I was I'm not kicking it to that kid. And so I looked at Drew and said, hey, man, you feel comfortable kicking deep? Well, I'm deep right here because I got you. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't giving Antonio Williams a shot, and Drew made a, a heck of a kick to make sure that Antonio did not have an opportunity to uh, to return a kickoff against us. Now, Coach, you also got the linebacker award out of the Western side, and this kid called his name all day on the Correct me if I say it wrong. I've been trying to say this here this afternoon. Cortez McGee Perry. How you pronounce it out of Southside yeah. School? That's a big linebacker out of uh, out of Southside, Coach. Well, you know what's crazy about that kid, man? He's a safety. Wow, he's a that's safety. wild. He's a safety, and then, you know, and um, you know, in some of their in some of their defensive packages, you know, they roll them down outside and then nickels and things like that. But man, you, you see his film and you realize that he can play anywhere. And um, but that that award is hard to give, you know, um, because you know Squires had to pick six. Um, you know, out of Spring Valley had had to pick six for us, and so that you know that that award could have went to either kid. But man, uh. Uh, Cortez, <laughs> we, we, we get there, you know, Camry, Coach Cannell, the receiver, uh, offensive coordinator at uh, Southside, he was telling me about this kid, telling me about this kid, and so I met him. And I was blown away by his personality, you know, from the moment I met him. I was like, man, I like this kid. I like this kid, man. And, and again, I, you know, he, he's one of those kids, the way I think this game is definitely going to help his recruiting because, you know, he, he's flying under the radar right now. But to see a kid that can play, Running back, receiver, backer, and safety. You know, kids like that are um, are, are rare, and, and you know, Cortez is one of those kids. So man, that you know, great. Yes, I'll say yeah. If there's a personality award, he definitely won it for the week weekend. Another award went to a quarterback. Uh, also coming out of the western side of things, I called his name a lot because the kid stepped out of a lot of tackles. Was uh, willing to step in the pocket and make a play that needed to be made with his arms. He did some with his legs. And Dylan Ramirez. Quarterback out of Broome gets the quarterback award, Coach. Man, and that kid's a great talent as well. I remember seeing him on JV, and I knew from right down there that that kid's going to be special. That kid's going to be special. And, um, you know, when you see the level brand of willing to climb the pocket to get the ball off, not panicking, you know, um, with the snap, you know, that's definitely a rare talent on the high school level. So Broome's got him once. Broome's got him a dog at the, at the quarterback position. And he's smart. I just talking football with him. And I'm listening for the and every quarterback we had in this game was extremely smart. They're, they're talking ball with each other. But wow, there we go. Like just a, man, and that's something that you know um, was a blessing in this game that every kid cared about the game of football. They, they all loved this game, and they were talking about their their offenses and different terminology they used. 
I mean, it was just a beautiful thing to see the game of football in our state. And, and football's, football's already big in our state, but to see it growing. And, the, and football IQ being on display this, this entire weekend uh, was a beautiful thing as well. And so, no uh, doubt. Man, definitely uh, has a high football IQ. Yeah, he definitely has a high IQ in, 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 in all the areas. Uh, as I spoke with him in the lobby multiple times, the kid did what he needed to do to get the quarterback award. And the final award went to this young man who I thought made a great catch, and it was only time. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you all doubled him up a little bit there, maybe on both offense and defense. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, number five, Jaleel Skinner, the wide receiver from Greer. 20 offers, one of those – of course, from LSU and about 20 other – or 19 other offers from Power 5 schools around the country. But Jalil, who, who showed up, showed out, balled out, and gets the biggest hardware of the day in the overall MVP, MVP player of the South Carolina High School Blitz Southern Sports Central Junior Bowl Elite 88 game yesterday. Jalil, man, what can I say about this kid? Um, first of all, when, when he walks in the room, you know he's 10 foot tall. But uh, um, you know, a smile that light that lightens up the room. You know, you know, just again a humble kid, man. With all those offers, he's extremely humble, man. And 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 again, a shout out to his parents for raising a great young man. But man, the kid was just so humble, man. And and you know, again, you know, all these offers, and you know, he's talking to me, and you know, we knew who each other was, you know, Greg Eastside Dale, and you know, just extremely humble. And then get another kid with Eastside uh, with a high IQ, and um. Just uh, man, it, it was just you know a blessing that finally being able to coach him. But anyway, to answer your question about playing defense, he he's been on the defensive side of the ball at Greer. And the funny thing about this game is we only have four defensive linemen um, on our roster. Um, and so one of the D linemen went down, and so I was like, hey man, uh, we got to figure this out. So again, Coach Ravenel uh, said, Jaleel, come here and look. I want you to line up at edge. If you come up the edge. And so anytime you have a kid that can get a sack and catch a touchdown in the game, it's hard not to give him the MVP award. I mean, kid, man, the kid's all around talent, and, and, and I'm sure that uh, you know every school that's recruited him um, realizes uh, realizes that. And yeah, man, he's just high character. God Almighty, the kid. He's fast. He's strong. He's big. He's tall. Yada yada yada. But he's extremely intelligent, high football IQ, and extremely humble. And when you have someone that has all those attributes. And to still, you know, not try to big time anyone that's having a conversation with him, man. You know, hats off to his parents, man. Because God, they, they they did a good job with that kid. Now, coach, you had a bunch of other dogs out there hunting and doing what they need to do. Kind of give me in, in about three minutes left here of the top of the hour um, before we go to break here. Your thoughts on the weekend? Uh, what would you, of course, uh, say when you got home uh, and you expressed your your conversation with the family there? What was some of the memories or the moments that that you left with as you came back to uh, the upstate with the trophy and the bragging rights on the day? The trophy's awesome. Don't get me wrong. You know, I, I love the win. Uh, shout out to the uh, the West team as a whole. I love the win. But the biggest thing I got out of this was the opportunity to pour into the lives of these young men. And I'm sure they have their own coaches at their own schools do the same thing, but the opportunity to point to the lives of young men and, and, and to be another positive role model in in, the, in their lives uh, was the opportunity. You know, you know, was the memories that I'm going to take back with me to see these kids light up. You know, just you know, just like you know, soaking up the game because you know you can hear something from your coach over and over again, and but you know you hear something different from another coach. It's something else that a kid can still to you know make themselves not only better players but better people. So that's definitely um 
the biggest thing I take away from this weekend and an opportunity to hang out with these coaches. You know, um, Coach, you know, I don't get a lot of, I don't get get back to the low country a lot. So hanging out with Coach Smitty and actually, um, you know, meeting another coach who, uh, who actually coached at Timberland and I played at Timberland and, you know, meeting him, that, that was a huge deal too. But, man, it, it was a blessing, man. Just, you know, and, and if any coach ever gets the opportunity to be a part um, of the Junior Showcase, I definitely want to encourage them to uh, take advantage of the opportunity because, you know, you guys do a great job of making everyone feel at home. And, you know, it really does provide a family atmosphere. So, you know, I definitely want to, you know, you know, uh, tell you guys thank you for the opportunity that you guys provided me with. Man, I tell you what, we, we it was a blast. Ken and I, again, we, we said this with uh, having the, the East team coach in here with us uh, just moments ago. Of course, Coach Smitty joined us, uh, and he's listening to you now. He's in the green room kind of hanging out there listening. But, you know, you guys brought together uh, some great, great uh, words of wisdom. You had all the, the tangibles which made you guys, uh, the head coaches, what you did was I thought was uh, the first. I mean, you guys will be in the, in the record books every year that we go forward with this and again i i could throw a little salt in the wound here uh coach and say that it took you it, it took ken to get a guy out of the east or out of the uh out of the low country the lower state to beat the lower state but hey it is what oh, it is you're, of course you're, <laughs> you're a timberland guy aren't you i mean aren't you one of the guys from down on this side of the world i mean hey it is what it is you got me a steak dinner man so i'm oh, not God, mad at yeah. you i just had to throw it out there <laughs> I, I love St. Stephen. I, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget where I come from. You know, St. Stephen, um, South Carolina made me the man I am today. <laughs> but, you know, uh, being the head coach at East Side, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely happy with where I am right now. And, you know, again, shout out, shout out to the, uh, shout out to the upstate for making it happen. <laughs> no doubt. And, uh, before, before, I had to. Before you kick me off the air, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, before you kick me off the air again, uh, I want to thank all the high school coaches that allowed their players to be a part of this. You know that. That's a blessing within itself. And, you know, a lot of the kids, you know, my linebacker, uh, Blake Shirley, was like, Coach, you know, we, we got to bring the same intensity to our practice. This is awesome. So, man, just allowing um, coaches um, and players uh, the opportunity to take a, a positive experience and, and, and take something back to their schools to make their programs better. So, thank you all. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to get to know you, man. I look forward to when you do come back home down here. Maybe that's when I wait for Smitty to check in and, and, and cat on that stake. I'll even go and hang out. And you know, the, I took a lot of pictures, Coach. And, and the one picture that I that I have, and I'll be saving it, is the one with us three down there on. Uh, you know, as we were getting ready to leave, we took that picture, Coach. And those are the things that I will take back with us. But thank you so much for for the time. Thank your family from the time away. We wish you and your your family and Merry Christmas from myself and, and some other sports central from Ken and the high school blitz, man. Thanks for giving us the gift that you gave us this weekend, coach. And thank you for allowing me to be a part, a part of it. And shout out to coach Nick at Abbeville for winning another state title. Uh, great, great guy. Great guy. I had an opportunity to coach against him a few times. Great guy. So shout out to him and Merry Christmas to you all. Enjoy the holidays with your family and, and love you all for allowing me to be a part of this. Thank you. And by the way, the record as of right now, with one game left, and, and, and of course the Senior Bowl coming up on the second, with uh, Coach uh, Coach Nichols there winning on Friday, you guys winning on Sunday. It's now one. I think what was it? One to four? One to five? One to five? You guys have won, you know, four uh, four out of the five games or, or five out of the six. Either way, you guys have a, a pretty big league on the lower state, man. But uh, enjoy the rest of the night. <laughs> I'll park you in the green room if you want to hang out and, and, and listen to the coach coming in next. Uh, so uh, don't go anywhere and hang tight. Yes, sir. Thank you.
All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Quick break, come back. And when we do, it's ring season around the great state of South Carolina. One more ring was given out this past Friday night with uh, Abbeville, the Big A. It's located a little bit around uh, uh, the promised land. So with that being said, you know where we're going to Abbeville as they won big over the weekend, 37-6 to over a team out of Marion. Coach Jamie Nichols joins us right out of break. Guys, don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie Elman here. Hour three, the final hour has made it here, but we started in style with another coach has done it here in the great state of South Carolina. They beat the COVID, they beat Marion, and they beat about 11 other teams along the way with a point score. If the numbers are right, 5-12 in the end zone, only gave up 44. Now, that's 47 points average on the game, and so I bring them in, and that is the head coach of Abbeville as they win their State championship once again. Add another trophy to this case. Coach Nichols, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure as ours, Coach. I tell you what, we we've uh, we wrap it up with you, by the way, because we had the other four coaches in here uh, earlier uh, about two weeks ago. And uh, let, let me get some numbers to you because they're very impressive. As you know, I had a chance to call the games with Coach McKissick as I talked to you about this earlier today. And, of course, I'm now working side-by-side side with another good coach, a legend coach down here, and Coach uh, Steve LaPrade. But, you know, uh, there's other coaches like the one that just stepped down over there in, uh, of course, um, in, in Dillon, who uh, Jackie Hayes. But your name, by the way, at the top of the charts on many of these. So the number that I came up with with this edition has you at 183, 39-1. Is that about right? Does that sound right in 17 or, excuse me, 15 seasons? Oh, Lord, I, I couldn't tell you, but that, that, sounds <laughs> close. I, <laughs> that sounds close. Now, let, let, let's go through the state championships on top of that, Coach. Uh, it, with this win, you know, I, I get that it's uh, five out of the last six, if I'm not mistaken. That's going to give you 11 overall, seven for you. Is that correct? That is correct, yes, sir. We were beaten Goodness by uh, a school down there next to you. Uh, Bishop England beat us in 2012. They had an outstanding team, John and those did, and beat us in 2012. But, uh, we, yeah, we've been really blessed, really fortunate uh, to have some good teams over the years. We really have. You got some loyal fans, Coach. I got to be honest with you. You know, uh, <laughs> boy fans are loyal, right? They, they are, are some of the truest loyal fans I've seen in, in the NFL, but – if I had to pick a fan base as well as the Cowboys are around the world in high school football, it would definitely be uh, your fan base. Man, that town shuts down, rolls up the red Friday nights. Everybody's open after, what, 4.30 over there? Yeah, that's about right. And, then you know, we have so many alumni that come back to the games. You know, I wish they'd move back to town, but we have so many alumni from other towns that really come back and, and support the kids, support the Panthers. Now we're heading 
Jeffy Nichols joins us here as he's uh, seven state championships. They've won the last five out of six. The school has 11. He sits here with an incredible 33-39-1 and did it this past The only game in town, by the way, for Benedict College, winning it 37-6 against a good team out of Marion. Uh, Coach, you, you got when you've been coaching 15 have you ever seen a season like this? And then tell me your thoughts about it going to the top two in the region. Kind of. Yeah, you're kind of breaking up. But, um, yeah, to answer your question, uh, no, I have not experienced a year like this. Um, you know, we did many, many years ago with Hugo, as you know, down in your parts. I was really hit by it. But, um, but yeah, uh, this was a unusual year. I guess the unknown factor for games being canceled on Thursday, even Friday mornings, you know, that was – very unique, um, but we were fortunate to um, to be able to play the uh, to put some teams in positions when we had some teams quarantined and end up playing a team down near you that we have a lot of respect for. Woodlands, Woodlands is an up and coming mm. program, and um, you know we had a lot of respect for Marion. I was really impressed with their coaches and their players played hard, man. I was I was really impressed with Marion. Yeah, Marion, definitely. And you give uh, Coach Ford over there, Woodland, some love there. I know they appreciate that coming from you, Coach. It means a lot when you get uh, one of these uh, elite coaches mention your program. Coach, what what is it about Abbeville that, that makes it so special? I mean, you guys set standards. You guys do things, and, and everybody else tries to keep up with you guys. Uh, what do you do over there? What are you feeding those cats over there, those Panthers, uh, during the week to keep them uh, their mind in check and their body ready to roll for the game? You know, I think the big thing is is next man up. You know, uh, this senior class really stepped in. And, you know, we lost a lot of offensive and defensive linemen last year. We had some kids step into some roles, especially along the offensive line who had never played played there before in the defensive line, uh, you know, who really came through for us. We felt good about our skill people coming in. But I think our running backs, our quarterback, Thomas Buford, did a good job. And then our linebacking core really, really, really played well. And, you know, our secondary uh, was young coming in, but uh, those guys – those guys really, uh, you know, stepped up and, and, you know, everybody contributed. Now, Coach, if you look at this game, and I, and I gave the points there, 5-12 that you guys put on the board, which is huge, 44 that you gave up. You know, I, I give love to the offense, but, man, the defense. I, I can only seem, and I didn't see a lot of your games. I watched a couple of them going back and looking into it since you guys started really rolling this year. Sorry, you're breaking up. Capitalize every time. Yeah, Coach, how about I your defense? Tell defense. us about your defense. Yeah, I think our defense, let's start with our coaches. Um, our defense coordinator, uh, Ellis Belton, he did an outstanding job. This was his first year as the defense coordinator. Uh, my linebacker coach, Rex Pelfrey, uh, my defensive line coach, uh, Eddie Ford, the other Eddie Ford we call him. We played with him <laughs> this year, but uh, he's the other Eddie Ford. And, uh, you know, uh, our outside linebacker coach, Doug Belcher, uh, those guys have a tremendous chemistry with our kids. And, you know, it's just one of those years where it just all fit. You know, um, the pieces just fit together. You know, there are years when, you, when we've had better defensive lines that you weren't quite as good in the secondary or you weren't quite as good at linebacker. But, yeah, that was, that was huge for us this year, just the chemistry. Starts chemistry with the quarterback play, Coach. Uh, tell me a little bit about this quarterback that seems to really be special in many areas, not just in the air but on the ground. Thomas, Thomas, yeah. Um, well, he's really a real good baseball player. And, you know, his 
his command of the team, his command of the offense. You know, he's like having another coach on the field. I think that really helped our young offensive line. And he was – he had actually uh, hurt his ankle going into this game uh, out just doing extra work with uh, with some of our players and, uh, you know, uh, battled through. He was probably about 70% at best of the night, to be honest with you. Now, Coach, when you look at some of these baseball player quarterbacks, it seems to be – you know, I was a baseball player quarterback that went off and played in school. But w- when you look at it, h- how big is that still today as you used to see back in our day of playing the game, the quarterback play? Well, that, that's exactly right. And I think our passing game, you know, he, he, he really did a good job of helping it evolve last year into this year. Uh, and, you know, I was just really impressed with that, – that's where you see the game going, you know, having these – you know, let's look in the NFL with Mahomes, former baseball player, and uh, people with that background. You know, especially our our offense is, I would not uh, call it a spread, spread offense, but we do have some of the elements of spread within it. And, you know, his ba- baseball background means a lot. It really does. Yeah, you see the quarterback at Seattle, former baseball player, played football. And of course, I'm sure it helped him as well. Rushing, you guys, again, pound and ground kind of game as well, Coach. Tell us a little bit about your big rusher. Who would be that big guy that's toting the rock most of the time here through this year? Yeah, I think it's by committee. Uh, I think you start with our wingbacks, um, Tyrell Haddon. I think he ended up being our leading rusher. And Navi Marshall battled through some uh, ankle injuries and had a big year. Martico Jackson was steady for us all year. And then our A-back, which is kind of like a, a spread running back, um, J.B. Burton also contributed. We talk about the guy throwing it around. Uh, you, you, you got anybody sitting on that outside? It seems like the points are up there. So in the air, these wide receivers, you see small, you see tall, you see everything in between. Coach, w- what is about your guys? What do you guys have on the outside that's able to make the plays, uh, get you guys down the field? Well, offensive coaches did a really good job of getting a player. Uh, um, Antonio Harrison, a sophomore who will end up playing some running back for us next year, I feel like. But, um, you know, he did a real good job, had a huge catch against Greg Collegiate on a halfback pass and, you know, just, just caught the ball and then ran away from, from everybody. And then our uh, senior, who's a good basketball player, Kelly uh, Gardner, he did an outstanding job as well. We talk about baseball and quarterbacks. Basketball wide receivers, kind of hand the foot there, Coach. That's still what you want to see is the, your, your guys that are playing, of course, uh, on the offensive line, you want them wrestling probably for the hands and feet, basketball guys, wide receivers. Is that kind of fair to say when it comes down to that position? And that's one thing we do at Abbeville. We share our athletes. You know, we make sure during the summer or other times where we have, uh, you know, we want our kids to not only play football but play other sports as well, and that's that's something we're blessed to do. You know, we do have a lot of people who share. share, um, share we share athletes as coaches and you know, it's getting harder and harder to do that. But um, but we think that's attributed to our success. It really has. Hanging out right now with the winning coach of 2A down here in the great state of South Carolina. They won big, by the way, 37-6. to six, Put 19 points in less than three minutes on Friday night on Marion. And they pick up Coach's seventh state championship. The school's 11th state championship. Coach, before I go to the defense, you know, we talk about dual – dual athletes uh you you saw the olympics a few years ago they made a really good hype which i appreciate i was a three-sport player because we didn't have all year sports when i was growing up i'm sure the same with you coach play three sports to stay in shape 
with the smaller schools, I think you guys benefit from that. I think you guys, you know, almost force these kids to have to play multiple sports, huh, Coach? That's exactly right. You know, that it just it just helps, and um, you know, and it takes not only partnership there; it takes partnership within your coaches. You know, to a lot of time before we do our summer schedule, we try to schedule our stuff around uh, other other um, sports as well. Now, Coach, let's go to the defensive side playing 11 games and you're only giving up 44 points do the math it's an impressive number as the offense was but what is it about that defense I mean you think about back in the day with the the Steelers and that 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 iron curtain there but it seems like there's a different curtain over there in Abbeville well what are you guys uh doing to scheme against the teams that you played against this year to only give up 44 points yeah, well, we're very multiple. You know, I think it starts with our, our linebackers, Cruz Temple, who will be playing at East, ECU. Matter of fact, he'll be an early enrollee. You know, he, he's a three-year starter for us. He really came up big. Uh, Luke Evans, a kid we're trying to get uh, somewhere, uh, who's also a three-year starter. He was huge. And then we have a sophomore linebacker that you'll hear a lot more about, Ty Cage. But I think it starts with those guys. And they they allowed us to be very multiple and not only multiple, but you were multiple and, and dangerous in what you were doing because you had so much speed on the field. Coach, you kind of gave me a great segue. Early, let's talk college recruiting here. You know? And again, the, the, the 15 years you've done this, you compared COVID to, to Hurricane Hugo, which, again, I remember my days growing up in Myrtle Beach. It shut us down and gave us a very interesting season. Now, that all being put together, and down here on the Grand Strand to the low country where I'm at, we see the hurricane schedule more than anybody, right? It seems like it affects us every year. How has it helped uh, – well, don't say that. How, how have you helped, should I say, uh, your young athletes had a very weird recruiting season and a dead period that was extended even into 2021? Yeah, and I'm afraid, you know, with the colleges right now, they're not offering like they usually do, especially your D2 schools and all, because, you know, there's so many variables that they just don't know about right now, you know, and, and that's something that, that it will evolve as we get into our um, winter – semester and all but you know um kids kids these days sometimes you have to walk on or whatever and you know i encourage any kid who wants to go and try to play somewhere to to to, to do that but uh your d2 school is in a tough spot right now they really are yeah you talk about a packed house i compare it with a lot of coaches growing up in myrtle beach coach it, it's like going to college right now would be like going to myrtle beach in the middle of july looking for a hotel room they're all packed out these cats really get chance to play free football I'm not talking about extra quarters uh in overtime we're talking just free football in general nobody lost anything by playing this year do you see and as many years have been using you know, the opportunity to help kids recruit do you see a lot of kids get into the draft this year or come back depending from from yeah well i'm really worried about this senior class you know because um you know your, your average kid who whose d2 schools would have money for in the past there just may not be money available this year you know, so that that's where I'm worried. Um, and then you get into your FBS schools and, you know, your Clemsons and Carolinas and all, you know, they're going to always have what they need or whatever. But I, I worry about your, you know, your Citadels down there near you and all, just how many scholarships do they have because they don't know what kids are coming back. And, you know, it's, it's just, again, so many variables are unknown at this particular time, you know. Hanging out right now with a coach who just won another championship there. Of course, Abbeville right next door to the Promised Land. Love that, by the way, Coach. When I saw Abbeville and I saw the Promised Land, I had a good look over there. Somebody asked me, what youth is that? And I was like, I don't know. But if 
fans that might want to get over there. Huh? Yeah, you know, um, Abbeville's more – Promised Land is actually in Greenwood. It's not far from us, but, uh, you know, Abbeville's really us and, you know, just this own little – a little unique, unique town, really. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, what, what, what it would be the, where's the hot spot on a Friday night or, or Saturday night? Is there like, you know, small town charms or something I really appreciate and I miss? As even where I'm at now in Somerville, you know, it's not as slow as it used to be. As Coach McKissick would say, you know, it's a lot fast paced and a lot of people coming in, but. Abbeville still has that small town charm, as Somerville does, but a little bit, I would say, uh, smaller there in Abbeville good eat places over there in your town that you would uh suggest me to hit when i come up to that way next year oh man you have to go to the village grill it's one of the top restaurants in the upstate of south carolina uh you know it, they have it all you know and it's 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 we have people from georgia come over to it and um you know that that's so, so unique to to us too because they've supported and in the past they've brought our team in and fed us when we've won the state championship but you know you have so many um so many businesses and all that support us, you know, and we could not make it without them. They not only support football, they support all our athletics. Yeah. I love that aspect of small towns. Yeah, I really do. And I remember I, I went and watched a three, a game last year uh, between two lower state teams that played. It was packed house by the way, as well. And, and, and you missed that. You, I remember we didn't have five, a, we had four, a, we had the sweet 16. And then the other side over there is I went to soccer, Steve, where of course everybody would know is it's Hunter Renfro high now. But um, that being said, yeah, I remember stands being packed out, Coach, but not the case as much as it used to be just because there's so many other tangibles that, that now you coaches have to play against. It, it really is. And, um, you know, I think at home we were able to have uh, good crowds. You know, uh, we had a certain number like everybody else did, a, a, a limited number of fans or whatever. But, you know, our stadium is unique in that you can really spread out, you know, very few people – the stands are, are packed, but we have a lot of people who stand in certain places or whatever, very similar. Uh, I've always heard, what is it, in Lakeview? My buddy down there, Daryl King, uh, has a little section where people, you know, we kind of have that. We call it the heel in Abbeville. And, uh, they wouldn't let the kids oh, use wow. it. You see, there's a, there's more um, tackle the man with the ball game. It's more physical than the games. I've heard people talk about that. <laughs> I had to outlaw that this year. But uh, hopefully we'll get that back next year. But, uh, yeah, it's a – it's, 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 it's more like a celebration of the town anytime we have a football game than anything else. Wrapping it up here with head coach all the way from Abbeville, and that, of course, is Coach Jamie Nichols. They've won another state championship. That's seven, by the way. Do the math, five out of six, 11 total, and they just keep doing the thing every single year. It seems like they set the standard no matter who they play. Now, Coach, I, I need to know a tradition there. When I think of Abbeville and we get done with this call, we get done with this interview, well, give me the tradition on a Friday night. What do you guys go through before you get on the field or, or even after the game? Is there just something special that y'all are known for uh, year in and year out that these alumni always look forward to? Uh, we let our kids, um, once we get up from our nap time or whatever, we kind of let our kids uh, join in and just kind of go out and relax on the field and throw the ball around. That's just something unique as the other teams usually pulling in. Not not the closer schools, but um, – you know, teams traveling, traveling from afar, but, you know, just let our kids interact amongst themselves. And, you know, I think that's unique. Um, also, the entering the stadium, uh, we come down the middle of our uh, bleachers or whatever, and that's usually a big event. Uh, 
come down to a little Ric Flair, and that, that's just kind of you know <laughs> something we've adapted over the last thirty years or whatever. But yeah, that's that's unique to Abbeville, you know. I love it, Coach. Final thing I want to ask you, because, again, for you coaches that all won your regions, you all went undefeated, you all did what you needed to do, uh, I've asked the same question. How did you manage to keep in touch, to manage to make sure these young men stayed in shape so that when you got them back to school, they didn't have to get in shape and uh, and, and kind of stay one-on-one with them? Coach, what was – I don't want to give any secrets away for anybody listening out there around you, but what did you do to continue to do what you do, as they would say? Yeah, well, I'm not as technological uh, advanced as some of my um, colleagues who did a lot of Zoom meetings and all that. I did keep in contact with a group message. But the thing we did is once we were able to start back, the attendance was unbelievable this summer. You know, even with the COVID going on, our administration uh, put a plan in place. And, and, um, you know, I I really applauded them for, for having such a good plan put in place that allowed our kids to come back and you know we really started from there and you know you could tell your kids had lost a little bit that summer but I really felt like we made gains from June uh, to early August when we were able to start and, and got a lot of our weight training back and our conditioning back and I thought that played a big role and you know the credit of that goes to our kids and administration for doing that but mainly our kids for being here day in and day out. Coach, final thing before I get you back to the family. And, again, I want to thank you for your time here today being a coach that's won a state championship, seven to be exact, and doing it in style. Uh, something for a young man that may be down here in the low country, maybe around the state, maybe around the country listening to us right now. They're a senior. They're going through some hard times. The season wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Maybe they won one or all of their games, or even a team like Greenville that, that, that was in the same record as two other teams in their region that missed the playoffs. What type of advice would you give a young man or a young woman, because we do have some ladies playing football, uh, going forward to stay positive? Yeah, just continue to work, you know, and, and that'll all work itself out. And, uh, you know, that that's some tough situations uh, to deal with. You know, a good friend of mine uh, actually had three-way, three-way tie for a region championship between Greenville, Greenwood, and um, Greer. You know, and a good friend of mine lost one game. It cost him, uh, Coach Porter at Greenville High School, cost him an opportunity to go to mm-hmm. playoffs. And I know that was disappointing, you know, in, in this COVID year or whatever. But, um, but yeah, just continue to work and persevere through it, and it'll make you better at the end. It really will. It really will. No, no doubt, Coach. Well, uh, congratulations on another state championship. Your fans, I know they love you, man. I think you could run for, for governor. You'd get a handful of votes over there at Abbeville. I'm down. I'm your mayor, that's for sure, Coach. But Merry Christmas to you and your family. Happy New Year, and thanks for letting us join the family. I would love to have some of your players on. We're going to do that on Wednesday. If uh, if you're comfortable, we'd love to interview some of your some of your guys. If you're okay with that, just send them our way next uh, next show, which is Wednesday night. Absolutely, absolutely, we'll do that. And thank you so much for having us. And um, I have a son who's at the Citadel. He's a walk on um, playing for Coach um, Coach Boyd and. Um, you know, those guys at the Citadel and I have a tremendous amount of respect for their football program. I really do, just for their school in general. Oh, yeah, it's a five-star program. So that means one thing, Coach. You got my number. I got yours. Next time you come down here, because I believe they're playing in the spring, let's you and I catch up and you can educate me on uh, what it takes to be a great head football coach in the state of South Carolina, because you seem to have figured it out. We'd love to catch up with you when you come down to the low country. Absolutely. I love it down there. I really do. 
All right, Coach. God bless. Take care. We'll see you soon. And, again, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Here you go, guys. We'll take a quick break. And that was uh, Coach J.B. Nichols, Abbeville's very own. He comes in here with 183, 183, not, excuse me, 183 wins, 39 losses, and one tie. I wouldn't ask him about that one tie because, you know, there's another coach in the state that's got one tie. And uh, that's Coach Knox, by the way, who also has just won a handful of games as well uh, in state championship fashion. we got to take a break. This will be one of our last breaks of the show. That's right. It's right out of here at 9. But when we come back, we're heading to the Grand Strand, so the bus isn't done yet. we got a little bit more gas to go. We're going to check in here with uh, our guy that does the uh, Friday morning show. And I want to check in here with us as we, of course, are looking forward to catching up with him right out of this break. And that's Brandon Bisco bringing Sports Unlimited's own. He'll finish the show with me. Since he's got the day off on Friday, you know, I got to get a little bit of work at him before he heads to that four-day vacation, guys. Be right back. Go anywhere.
Welcome back, everybody. Richie up live on Southern Sports Central. Follow us on the web, Southern Sports Central. Facebook out with us on Twitter, SO Sports Central. You can find me at Richie Altman here on the World Wide Web on the Twitter handle. Happy birthday to the men that's not here tonight. Eugene Benton hitting 43 today. We gave him the night off since he hung out all weekend long at the inaugural South Carolina High School Blitz Southern Sports Central Junior Bowl Elite 88 Showcase. Over the weekend, when started on Friday, ended yesterday. It was the team out of the West. Coach Wilcock took down, of course, Coach Smith, 14-7. And it was 14 unanswered points from the West because the seven scored in the first the first quarter wasn't enough to finish it off. Now, of course, we did hear from Reginald Walker Jr. 30 great talk to him and some college talk. We then headed over to Coach Smith, Coach Wilcock. That was our two coaches over the weekend. And you just heard. From one of the legendary, he will be a Hall of Fame coach in this state. Trust, believe me, Coach Jamie Nichols, great guy. Can't wait to see him come down to the Citadel as his son's playing there for the cadets. Uh, the guy's definitely uh, a five-star guy on and off the air. But Abbeville wins another state championship, 11 in total. He's got seven. He's done it in 15 years with a record of 183-39-1. Check that out. And by the way, can I repeat myself in three minutes? They put 19 points on the board. That is how you get it done. No disrespect to you guys at Marion, by the way, because, again, uh, Abbeville was on a mission. And if you don't believe me, you can ask Coach Ford and my guys at Woodland. They saw it firsthand, and so did uh, a 10 or 9 or, or 11 other teams saw it as well. But now to the Grand Strand with one of the guys that does an incredible show Friday mornings. No show this Friday. It's going to be Christmas, so we're going to let him take off for sure as uh, that will be Brandon Bisco being with uh, the Southern Sports Central Sports Unlimited. Brandon, you got to hear that interview, man. We've had all five state championship coaches on this show in the last two weeks, man. And he, of course, uh, was a great way to end our road to the championship, huh? Yeah, great way to end it. Great way not only to end it in in terms of, you know, that team and their story and everything, but – what you know, I know a lot of people were upset and complaining about the fact that this game had to get pushed back because of COVID and everything. Yet, what a great way for those those guys down in two A, who yeah, Abbeville is always you know a big name in the state and and they're always highly uh, highly promoted and all of that. But just the fact that the the lower level got. The hot, got the spotlight. They were the main event when normally it would be 5A or 4A that would get that main event spot in a regular year uh, for for the championship. So it's a, a great way to end it. And, you know, now now we move on to uh, basketball, which has been quite the uh, – <laughs> Quite the treks so far. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting because, you know, down here in the low country, you know, Dorchester County, too, started the season, uh, Brandon, with uh, not letting fans in the stands. That was moms, dads, everybody. It was all players and, and officials and those working the game. I got to, I got to be in work at the TV side of things over at the pool. But, uh, you know, that's the way it was. And then the last, by the way, uh, they opened it up for – Three days, I think they got a chance to maybe see them once, uh, and, and depends whether you were home or not. I know the JV got a chance to see uh, their their young guys play and their girls playing there, but diversity 
didn't get that opportunity. Wrestling as well. Uh, they've been shut down, I believe, after this weekend. I think wrestlers did wrestle on Saturday or over the weekend, but they're done now until the 27th. Charleston County also part of that conversation. Now, Berkeley County got to keep going. I'm not sure if they've shut down or not, but there are multiple schools that have shut down across the state. Meanwhile, and I heard this even yesterday or over the weekend as we had all the football players down the junior uh, bowl up there at Ben Lippin, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that they're allowing that the high school league is allowing any tournaments at this point. If they're seriously, honestly, realistically thinking that that, that they have got to finish this playoff this this season, they need to pull some of that back. They're not going to because we're too close to it now. But to me, it, it's an opportunity of a lot more to lose than to gain because here's what's got to happen, Brandon. I don't know if you've heard this on our show last week, but Dorchester County. They're not coming back until around the 27th or 26th. And from my understanding is they're going to take the, the basketballs instead of doing two games, the home and home, it's just going to be one and done. You're going to get a crash course, if you will, of basketball. They're only going to take the top two. And, and that eliminates a lot of folks. I know Fort's one of the hottest teams in that region. But then it's going to battle between Somerville, very good. Uh, West Ashley, very good. And very competitive, Ashley Ridge and Stahl. So, it puts a disadvantage at some of the teams that could utilize that home and home series, Brandon. Yeah, definitely. And and what's even crazier, you mentioned, you know, Dorchester County, you guys are out until the end of the year, until the twenty seventh of December. But January. you come up oh oh just, okay, twenty seventh of January. So they're actually close right. a lot longer than mm-hmm. uh a lot of the areas around here are because Darlington County is shut down until around the middle of January. Uh, Florence County, they're shut down until around the middle of January. And now today, while they haven't officially announced anything in terms of athletics, Horry County is going full virtual from the beginning, from when they get back into school until I believe, if I remember correctly, it said the 11th or 13th. So in the middle of January as well. And the assumption is up here that that's going to mean that athletics are going to be shut down. And more than likely, like you're saying, more than likely, uh, that's going to mean that Region 4 or Region 6 4A and Region 6 5A will more than likely have to go to – go to the one game per opponent format as well, because already there have been a good portion of games postponed or canceled uh, over the last couple of weeks. Like I, you know, I do games for North Myrtle beach and they have not played a game since not last, uh, not last Thursday, but the Thursday before that. So they've had a whole week of games missed and that's been uh it's only well for the girls it's only been one home and home but for the boys it's now been two home and homes that they've had to miss out on and like you said you know the the uh the early season tournaments i am a little surprised that they're continuing but especially up here with the beach ball classic uh it's it's such a big event that they they don't want it to go away and that's why they're still moving ahead and the majority even even it even teams like North Merrill Beach who had 
did have to sit in quarantine for a couple of weeks, they are still, as of right now, full steam ahead going into the Beach Ball Classic. So we, we've talked about it on the show before over the last couple of weeks. It's going to be a very crazy and very interesting next couple of weeks, next month, really, uh, to see how things go in terms of basketball. And what's even crazier, and this has been the case, this was the case for football as well, but it seems like the regions are just being left up to their own devices and everyone's just being allowed to do whatever they want instead of the SEHSL saying, hey, this is what we need to do. Well, I think there's two fronts. So let's go back a little bit uh, in some of your conversation. You know, for me, if you're Myrtle Beach, and again, being from Myrtle Beach, being an Horry County guy myself, Sockasty grad back in the 90s, you know, the the one thing that it surprises me that they're willing at all hot dogging them because I, I the original founder of the baseball classic is a good friend of mine or my father's at least and uh, and and then of course uh, when you kind of put all of that together I know what he did to get into this conversation of course our former basketball coach coach D'Antonio you know was also a big player in this as well uh, from uh, Sakasti now that all being said. Myrtle Beach is telling me that they're they're a lot bigger. Even the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl has decided they're not going to play the Rose mm-hmm. Bowl. They're moving it to Texas, which Texas has like an mm-hmm. express lane for everything. They they do what they want to do. They don't care less. It's like, well, ask for forgiveness yeah. later. But Myrtle Beach, Horry County, number-wise, and I don't want this to become a COVID show by no means, but they have a very high number. You know, and let's be honest, yeah. even in, in certain jobs, certain companies aren't allowing certain people into certain houses because – they are interacting with family members outside. So what Myrtle Beach is doing, they're bringing teams from outside in uh, to some degree. Uh, kind of tell me a little bit, who, it, it, are there like normal? And I, I know the answer, but I want to hear your, 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 your thoughts on this. What teams other than Ordy County or South Carolina teams uh, locally are, are playing in this big tournament that we've known for as one of the biggest teams in the country or one of the biggest tournaments in the country in high school sports or basketball? I'd have to look again because I know it's changed over the last right. couple of days, over the last week, because Dorman was originally supposed to be coming in to play in the beach ball, but they pulled out uh, late last week. I think it was Friday. They pulled out uh, from the tournament. Uh, and I know there was another team that was supposed to come in uh, that decide that, they they accepted the invitation and then a week later or less than a week later they decided to pull out. Right. So I think I don't believe there may be one maybe two other schools in South Carolina that are playing in this outside of Horry mm-hmm. County, but that's it. If any, I know for right. a fact it, that in terms of in in Horry County, all of the big schools are playing in it outside of Conway. So, Sockasty's wow. in, St. James is in it, Myrtle Beach is in it, uh, Carolina Forest and North Myrtle are all in it. Uh, wow. And St. James originally wa- wasn't supposed to be in it, but I think they may have taken Dorman's spot. Uh, but, yeah, they're relying this year, especially more than other years, because of the limits on out-of-state schools traveling, they've relied heavily on the local schools to fill those spots. 
Hanging out with Brandon Bisco Bing. You can hear him live right here on Southern Sports Central. Of course, he brings it to you from 7 to 10. It is the Sports Unlimited show normally heard right here on Friday mornings. Uh, he will not be with us uh, this Friday because we're actually going to cut the lights off, keep the tree on in the studio, and uh, be with the family. We'll start Thursday. We'll come back to the studio on Monday. Now, I'm looking at this, and this is team subject to change. Calvary Christian out of Florida. Camden out of South yep. Carolina, Cannon School out of North Carolina, Cape Fear Academy, North Carolina, Cape Fear Christian, North Carolina. You mentioned Carolina Force, Gray Collegiate, that's over there in Columbia. It looks like a team out of uh, North Carolina, which is Greensboro Day. That's one of those private schools. Lake Norman Christian, North Carolina, Milton, yep. Georgia, Moeller, Ohio, Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach, Oak Ridge, Florida, and, of course, Sacristy part of this has any of that changed from the teams that you originally had seen or or is this the latest that you've also heard as well uh the only one that i at least i thought i saw um added on to that was i thought i saw st james on there as well um okay. i did i think great great collegiate may have been added more recently because they were not originally uh going to be a part of it Right. Uh, and I think uh, who was the final South Carolina school you said? Sacasee. No, there was another non outside of Grand Trans school. Let me see. Let me get back there and see real quick. It's coming back up slowly here for me. I pulled out to look at the tickets here. Uh, twenty twenty team. So we're gonna go back in here. Give me just a minute. There we go. All right. So Sacasee was there. Oak Ridge from Florida. North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, of course, Myrtle Beach is in there. The other team, Carolina Force, is in there. Camden. How about the Camden boys? Are they in it? Oh, Camden. I believe they may have been they, – they've been added more recently. Now, Camden's well. in Sumter County. Is that is, – is that I have to look at the map. I, again, I don't have one of those in front of me, but I know it's weird because certain counties have shut down, but yet I guess they're, they're traveling. And even, even, for example, Dorchester County isn't – well, maybe it is. It, originally, they weren't going to shut down to the fourth, which means they could really do some things up until then. But, you know, again, it's hard to keep up with. I mean, it's almost like trying to track a hurricane in, in, the, in the summer months here in the, in, on the coastline where we're at right now because it changes, you know, on, on a regular basis. Now, the game is between December 19th and the 22nd over there at the convention center in Myrtle Beach. Uh, you can see it over there at the Carolina. Yeah, that's for the girls. That's the girls. Okay, where are the boys going to be playing at? Yeah. That's till 26 through the they 31st, start, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the over there currently and the boys start the day after Christmas. Thought so. Okay, so it stays the way it is there. Is there any type of limited access for fans getting in? I know for us in the media they were being very careful on who they brought in. How many is there a certain allotment or or allowed members or or people in capacity wise? There is a limit. Uh, I think they. I think I heard something around like sixteen hundred, something like that. Uh, oh, that okay. may I may be wrong on that exact number, but I know there is some sort of limit on uh, tickets available and and seats available. Gotcha. Now, of course, the Round Ball Classic is a tournament down here in the, in, in the Low Country. It has been canceled, by the way, so you're not going to get any of that. So that's going to be the only tournament here on the coastline that you'll be able to see. I think there's something in Columbia that they're doing that they normally do. A good buddy of ours uh, hosts that, does a lot of stuff with that. Uh, is That's the Bow Classic. That's over there. Of course, uh, you can check that out. But, you know, again, 
I get it. These kids have to do what they have to do. I just it makes me nervous because do you want to win the the beach ball classic or do you want to win your state championship game? That that's really what it comes down to for me. You know, and as much as yeah. I understand, you got to do what you got to do because we just hosted a bowl game yesterday of juniors. Now their season was over. All right, they're not playing any longer in football until next year, and uh, we have another one coming up on the second for the uh, of course for the for the seniors. So that's going to be uh, a lot of fun over there at Woodland. Uh, let's talk football with you, man, because you don't have you haven't been on the radio in a little minute because of course you took off last Friday and you're off this Friday. But you, I, I heard your your, your gripes on uh, last week, right, where you, you talked about the teams left out looking in, and, and that of course Cincinnati and Coastal uh, nowhere near Coastal actually shaved way back all the way to like 12th position, and they're actually not even getting a chance to play a team that I I feel no disrespect to Coach Freeze in Liberty because Jonathan Bennett, former Somerville quarterback, now down there are up there with the Liberty Flames doing their things, but it's a rematch that never became a match uh, in, in that game. And then Cincinnati, of course, you, you see who they get to play Georgia in Atlanta. Wow, that, that that's kind of an interesting conversation because if they beat Georgia hands down, there's a lot of griping that's going to come out that's not going to mean a whole lot. But Final Four, your thoughts, and uh, I'll give you some minutes here because I know, again, you know, you've got a few things that you want to say with you not doing your show on Friday. Yeah, it, it's a joke. It's just a complete and utter joke. I mean, is it is it surprising? No, but this is why it's not really the college football playoff. It's the college football invitational. It, <laughs> college football does not have a national champion, period, the end. It is mythical. It's a joke. And I watch college football just for the regular season, and then come bowl time, it's like, I'll watch them, but it doesn't really mean anything. They're basically they're just exhibition games. Right. Well, that's just very true, man. Very, very true. Because for me, you know, and, and I had on here just moments, uh, and actually a couple of hours ago with Reggie, uh, and, and I said the same thing. You know, when you when you got these things set up, even five all the way to ten, they should have done five versus six, six versus seven, seven versus eight. You can do the rest of the math. I'm not going to have a math class with yeah. you here on Monday night, but. You know, they didn't even do that. They've got North Carolina. I mean, are, are really, to me, you're, you're really taking it and putting Mac Brown uh, against a former coach of Florida State with a little bit of history there because, you know, I, I, I just don't think so. I think you see Oklahoma should be the team playing uh, against Texas A&M. That's just my thought. That's actually a better selling game. Like, they just had a chance of putting a Big 12, former Big 12 matchup, back together once again, and they messed up the ticket sales for that. Imagine that conversation and how Oklahoma would really want to go back at and say, hey, you thought you were leaving us, but here we are once again meeting in another battle under the lights or under the sun, right? I mean, I think that's a lot attractive matchup, not only financially, but historically. That's, those are two teams that grew up playing each other, hating one another, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and that's what's ironic about it. And and I think it really shows another side to this whole thing, too, now. And and it, it's seeming to get progressively worse and worse, is that now with this on the College Football Invitational, the the other bowls, they don't even really bother to really care about who gets into which bowl. It's just kind of, oh, we'll toss them into this bowl. We'll toss them into that bowl. It doesn't really matter to them. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though, 
and and this is something I said on my show, even though, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's all about money. Competition be damned. It, it's all about money. Uh, <laughs> even even when they're focused on money, they still can't get the money matchup right. So right. it's it's like the the college football is just a complete mess. It's a complete joke, and I just I really wish that some entity would step in and say. Enough is enough. We're making this legitimate. Right. And I, and I agree with you to a lot of that, what you just said, because you look at Alabama, they're going to play Notre Dame. That was a money bag move only because it's too mm-hmm. prestige. I mean, their helmets alone tells a story, right? You got that, that, that yeah. amazing gold helmet that's got the golden flakes in it from Notre Dame. Everybody remembers the, Moody, the Rudy jokes over there. Alabama, Bear Bryant, maybe, by the way, having Alabama – has two guys that could win the Heisman over there. One, the quarterback. I think the wide receiver actually takes it home and breaks this whole monotony of it being a quarterback award. I'm in for that, by the way, because I don't like the whole repetitiveness, which is yeah. what we see in the top four. And then Clemson, and I'm yawning now, talking about Ohio State, who, quite frankly, you had to rewrite the rule book at the end of the year yeah. just to put them in this game. No disrespect to Ohio State. Great ball team. Yeah. But while you capitalize – with Ohio State, you penalize the team out of Myrtle Beach and the Shauna Clears because here you go. You don't get in, in, in an invitation to the top eight or whatever. You actually lose a spot, putting them back to number 12. It's not their fault at the end of the day what happened. You then challenge them by bringing a team from the other side of the country that was highly ranked in the top eight. They beat them on a national stage, broke records with viewership. College game day in town, and here they are now playing the team that they were going to play on that weekend. And, and to be honest with you, usually what happens in these games, to be honest with you, Brandon, these teams get there, they don't want to be there. Now, that's not going to happen to Jamie Chadwell yeah. and our shot of clears, but that's normally what happens. They get there, they don't want to be there. Okay, you're going to give me a watch, a pair of socks, and a bag. I got all that at the house already. I want a chance at the top eight. And, and, I want a chance at doing and And what? And what's one of the big complaints about a lot of the Bulls, especially when it comes to the bigger teams right now? The fact that a lot of the top names that are going to go to the NFL decide to sit out. How can you fix that? You don't see that happening in basketball ever. And and why is that? Because the games actually matter. If you made the games matter, if you made a real legitimate tournament, where they were actually playing for something, the top players would say, hey, I'm down for that. I want to win a national championship. Let's do it. Right. But who? why would a top recruit or a top prospect, why would a top prospect going into the NFL, a, num- a first-round draft pick, say that they're going to play in some meaningless bowl? Exactly. I mean, you actually had guys dropping out before the season, though. They didn't even wait the whole season. Well, I mean, this they saw the, the, the light of the tunnel. Right. Right. But I mean, but I mean, even there, you know, mm-hmm. on, if you're a top, and and this rarely happens for a number of reasons, but if you're a top prospect. If you already know that no matter what you do in your senior year, 
you're going to be picked in the first round or one of the top picks in the NFL draft, and you're not, you're in a group, you're a part of a group of five teams. Why would you right. bother playing your senior season when it means nothing? Right. Why? And you wonder, but you wonder how much with this early sign. And see, that's a, that's also a, a dive into high school because I want to get your thoughts really quickly as we've got about six minutes left of the show with the Heisman. But before we jump to the Heisman conversation, because I want to give you the five that's on the final list here. But but even high school, I think high school is going to start playing into this. And I'm not trying to give you seniors any ideas or juniors for next year. Because the early signing period, that easily could be a conversation in a couple of years where they're going to say, uh, I already know. Let's use J.J. Jones, for example. Now, J.J., that's my dude. Mm-hmm. Now, he may be at Myrtle Beach, but he's a former Sox guy. And, and to me, I always give him a hard time about that. And they're playing with him down here in Charleston in, in a couple of weeks in the second game, on the second. But, you know, a lot of guys could easily say, look, you know, look at the guy over the Sumter. He's going to Florida at this point. Why? Now, he's also playing on the second. But other kids could easily say, why play that rest of that year? I'm just going to sit out my senior year. I've already committed to, to this school. I'm going to not get hurt or pull something or do something. And I'm just going to work out, man. I'm going to work out my senior year. I've already committed early. I verbally said I'll sign in December, and I can go to school in January. That, to me, is the fear. As you're seeing it in college, and you know everything they say rolls downhill, I hope, pray, and, and, and beg that that doesn't happen in high school. But it easily could. See, Just keep an eye on it. See, I don't think that will trickle down to high school, and here's why. In high school, you actually have something to play for. You have the pride of winning a state championship. In college, unless you're one of the blue blood teams, unless you're on a Clemson and Alabama and Notre Dame, Ohio State, you know, throw in Oklahoma, a few Georgia. other names in there, Oklahoma, Georgia, unless you're part of one of those select few teams, what are you really playing for? You're not mm. playing for anything because you know that you're not getting into the national championship, no matter how good you do. Even if, and I, I hope that I'm wrong, and I wish mm-hmm. we had the opportunity, I wish a team would do this over the next couple of years. We've had a couple of times that it's come close. But I said back, I think it was in 2017 or maybe 2018, when Wisconsin was dominating and was undefeated. And unfortunately, they didn't get the chance to prove me right. But I said, even if they went undefeated, because they do not have the name value and they don't have the quote-unquote prestige, they would not get into the National Invitational. And so unless you're a part of a blue blood program, why are right. you even bothering to play your senior season when you have nothing to play for? High school is different because everyone has a legitimate chance of winning a state championship. So you're still playing for something. I agree with that. I do agree with what you're saying. That's a, and that was a good rebuttal there. I like that, that, that analogy, but, but I do, you know, you, you still understand that that easily could be a, a quick conversation. And we'll table that for another mm-hmm. talk here. Four minutes left here. Uh, just to kind of a quick one here, you got Mac Jones, Alabama quarterback. He's a junior. And I'm telling you, they're, they're class because I think it's important. Devontae Smith, the wide receiver, he's a senior. Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, he's a junior. Kyle Trask, he's a quarterback at Florida. He's a senior. 
And Najee Harris, the running back, Alabama, he's a junior. Who pick, who wins it in your eyes? Or if you had a selection, who would you pick out of that top five? If it were up to me, I would probably pick Trevor Lawrence. But I have a feeling that the fact that he missed the Notre Dame game, I think that's going to hurt him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, and, and the, and the loss to LSU is going to hurt Trask. I, while I agree with you, I would love to see Najee Harris win it. I just think that the, the momentum and the, the way the committee thinks they, they're going to give it to the quarterback. So you think Mac Jones wins that in Alabama, the junior, you don't think Devonte yeah. Smith. The wide receiver, the senior wide receiver, who has ran it back a couple of times, who has had an electric night. And just imagine how much more Mac Jones would be had that quarterback, had that other wide receiver not get hurt. So we'll we'll wait. We'll see. Uh, We're up against it, brother. I don't want to run against the clock and shut this down at the top of the hour, man. I'm glad I got you in here. We'll be back Wednesday. If you don't have anything, man, come hang out with Eugene and myself because uh, we're going to end the season on a good note. Ms. V will join us on Wednesday night as well. And it'll be kind of a Christmas party here on Southern Sports Central Wednesday night. How about it, buddy? Yep, sounds good. As long as I don't have a uh, game that night, I I know that that's right in the midst of the uh, beach ball. So depending upon when we're playing that night, I may have to uh, come on and join you guys. Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you guys in the new year. There you will, ladies and gentlemen. That, of course, is Brandon Biscobing, Sports Unlimited. You can normally hear him right here on a beautiful Friday morning, 7 to 10. Again, that is Brandon Biscobing, Sports Unlimited, brought to you by Southern Sports Central. Uh, I want to thank all of our guests here tonight, Reginald Walker, Jr., in the course Charlotte area, former player for Joe Pa and the Nittany Lions. We also had Coach Smitty. He coached the East team in the big bowl game yesterday. Coach Wilcock joined us with the western side of the team. They won 14-7 in the inaugural Southern Sports Central South Carolina High School Blitz Junior Bowl at Elite 88. And then how about it at 8 o'clock, it was Jamie Nichols, Coach Jamie Nichols from Abbeville with seven state championships, an 11-0 season. They won 37-6 against a very good Mullins team. That's 11 state champions. 39-1 and one record. So, of course, uh, we want to wish you guys, if we don't hear from you on Wednesday, a very Merry Christmas. And uh, we will be back live tomorrow night with the West Foundation, Everett Sands, at 6 o'clock, guys. Don't miss out. Until next time, God bless. Take care. And, again, if we don't talk to you again, have a very Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm.